Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with, super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens, I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste and the taste is actually really refreshing and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good um, and it's good for you. So remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible. Just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, Liquid Death Water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. 
to have my brother from another mother, Mr. Chappelle Lacey. Yep. Who, as of yesterday, is back in the podcast game. Yeah. With lesser known characters, the name of his new podcast. Yeah. We're going to break down music in different styles. You broke down Christian rock as your first episode. Yeah. So welcome back to the podcast world. <laughs> you tried to get out, but you got dragged back in somehow. Yep. Shout out to Joel Jimenez and Mike Nell. And then in front of me, shout out to my brother, Michael Rappaport, for turning me on to this wonderful woman. Uh, Miss Mandy Mayhem is here in my kitchen. Nice What's to meet you. What's up? Fucking, uh, she is the karaoke champion of uh, hip hop. In the, the whole wor- fucking world. The world. Three-time champion. Three-time. What, what does that mean? Because you really rhyme. Yeah. Obviously, we know from your social media, we'll get into that, but you really rhyme. So, like, like, was there a certain song that you won, did you use every time for that or won with? No. So, the first time I did Shoop. Shoop. Wow. Shoop, baby. Shoop. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... Except you're not allowed to do it as a, a duet or, you know, bring anyone up. So yeah. I was like, what am I going to do for the man verse? Um, so I had a dildo hiding in my pants and I pulled it out for that verse and turned it into a puppet and made it say the um, the, do the verse. Yeah. Oh, my God. man! I feel like that's what pushed me over the edge. I didn't know. Even the mm, mm, mm for the smell of uh-huh. it. Oh. You on my body is the hot rod. <laughs> Yeah, that was my first (laughs) competition. But I'd been doing hip hop karaoke for like uh, maybe six years at that point um, in Toronto. And then the second year I did Fight the Power. Perfect. Which almost caused a riot because everyone got so excited. And people, there's a video like floating around somewhere on the internet. And in the final verse, it's like, People are chucking water bottles at the state. It's just like chaos. It's like a punk show. Wow. Because to me, that song is punk. It's just 100%. like, you know. Um, and then the third year, I did Slam by Onyx. I'm in that video. Wow. Shut I'm up. I'm one of the only white boys in that video. Come on. my friends, yeah. yeah. Stop <laughs> it right now. Yeah. That's one of my go-tos. Yeah. I wow. love that song. Yeah, those are my those are my dudes. Yeah, man, they're on tour right now. Like thirty years of the album right now. Wow. Yeah, That's slam. Thirty man. years of that album. Yeah, I'll send you a wow. link to it. Yeah, I'm in I that video. Love, I'd love to see that. That was when we shot that in Compton out here in 1991 or two, and we were on this we we're in this area, and these people drove by and said, "You guys gotta leave." We we're like on the opposite side of these train tracks, like legit. We we're filming lowriders bouncing everything, and they're like, "People saying you guys gotta get the fuck out of here." It was really? Pretty cra- yeah, man. Hmm. So, wow. So, fuck. Um, I guess we should take you back. I mean, for your love for hip-hop or just, I don't know, even know where to start with you. Toronto, Canada. Wow, man. <laughs> such a such a deep dive point. You've done so much shit. Thanks. I mean, so much stuff. Um, fuck, man. What was it like growing up in Toronto? Do you have, like, siblings and stuff? I was an only child. Okay. My I have a brother now, but we're 15 years apart. So, okay. I grew up um, only child. We lived on a boat. Yes, I knew that. Yes. Um in the Toronto foot Harbor. boat, no engine, uh, Chris Craft boat or something? Yes. <laughs> Parked in uh, York Street? Come on, stop it. Come on, girl, I know what's up. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, parked in the foot of York Street. <laughs> How'd you end up on a boat? My dad was quite creative with his vehicles. Um, yeah, he had he had found it somewhere, I don't know, like almost dragged it up from the bottom of the lake what? and then he refinished it. I think he paid, you know, 50 bucks for the boat or something. What? <laughs> and then he like, Is that legal to live in a boat like that? Um, I mean, it was 1980. So, okay, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, 
I was like five and we were living on a Chris craft. It was, it's a small boat and it's, there were bunk beds across from the galley, which is the kitchen. So there were two bunk beds and then like the kitchen right across from me and the toilet, like you had to, he had to every day pick it up and carry it out and dump it in the lake. <laughs> like, actually, when we first moved in, there was this little building beside us. That's now, I think a Starbucks at the, you know, at Harbor front in Toronto. But it was actually where they built ships. So there was a hole in the floor where the guys who were working on the boats would piss. So they would hold me over the hole so I could pee because I was like five. And I remember like having to hold my legs out like in a star so I didn't pee on my own legs. And like a fucking giant fish, like a carp swimming under. It was the most terrifying. And this was like, it was like Jaws ears, right? So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get my bum eaten. And my dad's just holding me over the thing like pee. It It sounds fun and exciting too though yeah really i don't know the boat had no engine so it was kind of like it was called dockside how long did you live there for i don't know a year maybe and i i went to school on the island the kids at school knew you lived on a boat yeah there were a couple of us there was like six of us that lived in this little enclave okay yeah wow you you were in a house before (laughs) that though right yes several i think we, (laughs) we moved around a lot yeah, I saw that too. Your dad was like, and your mom were both into the arts too, or? No, um, they were into the uh, drugs. Okay. <laughs> and okay. the alcohol. Okay. Um, they're, I think they're both artists, but you know, <laughs> they had different ways of expressing it. Um, so after the boat, you just went to like a house after that? Or did you move around again? Well, so we lived on that boat and then the winter came and- Brutal we had like bubblers they have i forget what they're called boilers or something that bubble around the boat so the ice doesn't freeze to the boat and crack the hull um and it just got really fucking cold and one night my smurfette doll fell off of my bed onto the space heater and set on fire and um, i remember my parents coming in and waking me up and being like mandy we have some bad news and like i was obsessed with smurfette like I'm pajamas sh- like the everything i could get my she hands was on like, fire she was on fire and they're like there's been an accident um <laughs> Not like you almost died in your sleep, but like yeah. Smurfette saved your life. You know, she like, and I was like, I want to see her. Oh. <laughs> and so they like showed her to me and it's like scarred in my memory. This, her whole face was burnt off. Like half her face was totally black. Holy and shit. I know it was really disturbing. Um, <laughs> so I think after that, we moved onto a larger yacht. It was like a 75 foot yacht that my parents worked in the charter boat industry when it was just fledgling at the time in Toronto and um, my mom was the hostess and my dad I think like painted the boats and like cleaned them and whatever he really wanted to be a captain like a sea captain he was super into it (laughs) 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 Uh, we lived on a lake but okay Um, (laughs) did they have a driver boat with you guys in it or not that I recall damn okay they stayed put yeah so we they worked on the charter boat so we ended up living on this um this 75 foot 75 footer and you had friends coming over to hang out and play in the boat and yeah I mostly went to the island most of my friends lived lived over there all the hippie granola island kids did you feel weird you live on the boat it was just like it was kind of whatever it was your life no yeah it was just cold 
Yeah. 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 So the whole area was hip, was hippie then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Commune. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the vibe I'm getting as I'm collecting yeah. all this information. Hippie commune. Oh yeah, it gets deeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you went to regular school. Yeah, I mean, it was a public school, like publicly funded, but it was a science school. So the kids from the city schools would come and sleep. There were dorms there. And then we were the day school kids. So we got all these extra classes in like how to band a butterfly and like orienteering and all kinds of shit you definitely don't need to know. Yeah. Um, we also, my friend that I went to school with says it was like a child labor camp because we had these um, auctions every year so that we could go on a big trip. Um, when I was in grade seven, we went to the Olympics in 88 in Calgary, but we had to raise money for the trip. So we refinished furniture. We made stained glass. We had a loom in our classroom and we wove rugs. <laughs> wow. I know. Yeah, like, had y'all working, yo. How old are you then? How old are you doing that? Grade seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but we didn't working. learn a lot. Like we mostly just were in- industrious planting like gardens and singing, like blowing in the wind over acoustic guitar. Like it was... Wow. Super weird. When I think it's about it's a different upbringing, yo. It is. <laughs> when we think about Toronto, I don't even think about like hippie communes, none of that stuff. I don't no, know why. I mean, wow. No, I would have never thought that. Well, because how do you be like a flower child in a, in a like big heavy coat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need a flowing dress. <laughs> Fuck, man. And then, so how were you during school? Did you, you went to high school there too? Everything you stayed in the same area? Oh, no, no. That would be too simple. Um, <laughs> in grade nine, my dad decided he was going to quit drinking, thank God. And he's mm. like, I got to get out of the city because he was, he's passed now so I can tell all his secrets. That's but, the peace pops, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so he was like hanging out with the mafia and he was in um, like a motorcycle gang. Called- he went from being like a hippie to that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he was selling drugs. So wow. he was like, Jesus, we need man. to get out of the city because somebody um, car, like, car bombed a friend of his. And P.S. When people say you rap Jay-Z like you lived it, there's a reason why I connect with hip hop in that space. Damn. So we moved out of the city. We moved to the country, to this little town called Midland. Um, and... It was very weird. Like there were kids with mullets and like listening to rock. And I was, I didn't understand because I was super into hip hop at the time um, and like house and, you know, listening to the radio and recording it on my tape player. Like these DJs, Deadly Headley and um, Christopher or something, Williams, Michael, I don't know, remember. Um, and so, so it was fucked up and I got, I went to this small town and was like, what, I, I don't know, I don't belong here. They're not listening to the same music. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this little kid across the street from me named Lawrence who had also moved from the city, a little white kid who was super into public enemy and he wanted to be a DJ. And so we would go over and like play records and like steal his parents booze and get drunk and like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but my dad moved up, moved us up there so he could quit drinking and he that's where he went to AA and like started his new life as a um, balloon tire bike expert slash um, ex- apprentice junkologist apprentice junkologist <laughs> it sounds like your dad would have been harder than live some real shit more than a lot of rappers actually yeah did some real shit yeah yeah fuck Damn. man yeah so what, what do you think you, what was your instant connection to hip hop why do you think you fell in love with it at that young mm. age well, in the specific is the universal, first and foremost. So 
hip hop tells a very specific story and the um, personal narrative of a rap song, I think I was attracted to just as a poet. Mm. I started writing poetry when I was 10. I remember the first poem I ever wrote. It was, I love hugs and I love covers. I love dads and I love mothers. But the thing I love the best is the thing I'm about to request. And that's where it ends because I'm a Gemini and I can't finish anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why didn't I finish that poem? What did she want? (laughs) I don't, I will never know. (laughs) So you're writing poetry, you listen to hip hop and then you're in, and so what are your goals when you get in high school? Like, what do you want to do? Fuck. That's it? (laughs) (laughs) Wait. What? What? She said, (laughs) Either she said fuck it or she wanted to fuck, whatever, yeah. Um, fuck. Legendary no, clitoris, I'm sorry. Legendary clitoris. <laughs> you should see how long it gets. Uh, um, did I want to fuck? I don't know. She posed blushing. I just can't tell. <laughs> um, Dude, it was just so like... So what, what kind of... Were you like a wild girl? Yes. Were you, were you like kind of... Were they kind of strict growing up and then once you got a no. teenager, you went... Oh, no. Was no, no, free. no. There was no rules ever in my life. My parents Damn. literally said to me like... We believe that you just come through us and that, you know, you're here to have your own journey and that like you're on a road and our job is to just nudge you gently back on the path when you fall off the sides. Otherwise, good luck. Wow. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. And also they were like, we didn't baptize you so you could choose your own religion, you know, when you were old enough. And so I actually took that to heart. And, That's and, pretty cool, actually. Yeah, in my 30s, I started going to different churches and exploring things. And mm. Yeah. Were we'll you, like, there. partying at a young age, too? Um, so my dad quit drinking when I was 15. Okay. Right? So he went hardcore into AA and did all these detoxes and stuff and, like, would always bring the drunks home. He called them the drunks. Would bring them home. And they'd have meetings at our house or whatever. So I was very like heavily exposed to the program at a young age. Yeah. And I didn't, um, I could never truly be the drunk that I wanted to be because I had too much information from an Mm, early age as to like what it really is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I did some drugs. I mean, I did acid one time, which was like, holy shit. Um, and how old are you then? 15. Okay. Yeah. I didn't really, yeah, I smoked, I think, a little bit earlier, and I probably was drinking, mm, I don't remember, 13, 14, but yeah. not, I didn't start to get into shit till I was 15, and then when I was 15, I think I lost my virginity the year before grade nine, and then it was game on. Mm, yeah, I, really boys. Li- I really liked sex okay. a lot. I mean, I remember being like <laughs> 10. <laughs> I love your honesty. Man. I know, right? Fuck yeah. keeps it real. I was like 10 and I was like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to have 10? sex. Or maybe I was 11. I remember telling this boy that I liked who was in grade eight. I'm like, I think I'm ready. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Fuck. Thank God he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I was just horny. I was mm. so horny. Like, come what? on. Uh, where did that you come go, from? Chappelle? Yeah, where did it, yeah. How did that, like, where did that? It came from my clitoris. Yeah. It's like super long. That's not facts, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. facts. Okay. But also, did you know oh, that right. <laughs> when you take the birth control pill, that it shrinks your clitoris by twenty percent? Did not know that. And how do we know that? Yeah. How would that. you know? I just found that out recently. Wow. On Huberman's podcast, actually. Shout out to my man Shout Huberman. Out to Huberman. That's my dude. Love. Yeah. He's a good person, man. I believe. I'm you. so proud of him. Yeah. 
He has answers for everything, everything. including that, everything, which I didn't even know. That, yeah. I, I like He's the G. kind of worship him. A lot of my friends, women friends, yeah, yeah, ask me yeah. questions yeah. about him on a daily basis. Oh, I don't want to... I don't want to have sex with him. Yeah. But I do worship his brain. I would fucking. He's brain. a sweet fucking dude and smart. And he's a fully tatted skateboarding punk rocker, too. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. yeah. I found him on Clubhouse, actually, huh. originally. He's so huge now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Huberman has told you that. Interesting. Um, so, you wanted to. So, what did you want to do when you graduated? Besides sex, we do another sex, blah, blah, blah. So, at the hippie school, we did a lot of musical theater. And the, fir- the f- first play I was in, darling, my moment in the sun was the, um, you know, the, the death march to the, um, the manger, um, mm. the Christ one, uh, the <laughs> Christmas play. And I was a wise man, okay, uh, obviously, because that's who I am now. You inquired. Oh, like one of the three wise men. Yeah, uh, three wise men. What is that? Come on, I man. I can't think of it. No, no, no. I'm just trying to think of the name of it, the play. The nativity play, the nativity. Yeah. Christmas, whatever the yeah. Christmas shit, the Christ thing. Yeah. So you're in the choir too, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Tons so. of choir. We had we were forced into okay. it, just sort of like the child labor. Like we also had to be in the choir. There was no option. Um, <laughs> so I remember walking into the room. It was you know my first play, and the whole room turned to see us walk in, and I felt this like light, like. Um, an exchange like the light of all of these human beings was shining on me mm-hmm. and it f- I felt seen which happens with a lot of actors and entertainers it's like when we don't feel seen as children I was neglected not because my parents didn't love me but because they were high and 20 you know yeah. um, you craved that attention somewhere else yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah so when I felt that wa- it was like a warmth and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I want more of these, okay? Um, and then so I did plays all through elementary school. We did musicals every year, and then we had concerts. We were just constantly working on something. And then when I got into high school, I also joined drama, but then I got into drugs and boys and, like, not really drugs, uh, hash and... Hash. <laughs> Old school. Hot knives. <laughs> yeah. What about the Muppets play? Okay. <laughs> when you played it, uh, you played uh, animal or something. I was animal. Phenomena. Yeah, <laughs> so Manamana. she, she <laughs> like. That is hilarious, yo. <laughs> she like put us as the. As I read the, deeply disturbed animal. Deeply disturbed. It was the Muppet we both most resembled. Was like who <laughs> she made us. So like, did you see? There's a whole series coming out about the Muppets. Yes, and yes, it's the it's called Mayhem because the fucking name of the Muppets band is. The mayhem. Did not know that. Come on. Wow. Is that insane? I didn't know that. Damn. That's that's Travis's biggest influence is Animal. Animal? As he talks about. Animal's drum with uh, Dave Grohl. He was? Yeah, he drummed with Dave. Uh, uh, He also did. I think that group, the the mayhem, uh, did some with Prince, too. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Damn, Animal's like inspiration to like real drummers. Yeah. (laughs) I loved The Muppet Show. Yeah. Yeah. It was formative. uh, I like the Muppets too. I like the two old men, right? Was that them in the balcony? Mm-hmm. Oh, the two yeah, bitter so old dudes. Yeah. That's your future Michael Rappaport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, your rap could totally do a voice for them or something. Yeah. Sure. He should do that. Yeah. Um, so then what, what do you do when you graduate? Like, what is your deal? Oh, well, I had my baby in, in high school. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Wait, your cheerleader too is backing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got pregnant. Okay, I moved out of my house he at 15. He loved sex. You went crazy, got oh, pregnant. I went crazy. Well, I moved out of my house at 15. Um, wow. I moved in with some a friend's family who was more dysfunctional than mine. Shit. And I was only there for about six months. And then I moved in with my boyfriend in a in a neighboring small town um, and ended up pregnant because... I got gonorrhea. <laughs> Here we go deep into the uh, the caverns of my chambers. <laughs> I got oh, gonorrhea wow. in high school uh, in at fifteen or whatever because there was this like really cool guy that had gonorrhea. Had gonorrhea. Um, he gave it to me in the back of a classic Mercedes Benz, though, so I feel like it's kind of par for the course. Wow. Um. So so I went. I didn't know what to do because I also had crabs, and that was the thing that turned. <laughs> that like turned that me. was the best podcast so far man ever <laughs> wait we had crabs and then you got gonorrhea Whoa. so i got them at the same time but like you don't necessarily have symptoms with gonorrhea but the crabs are symptomatic because they're itchy oh yeah so i went to i walked into a gynecologist i didn't know what like what to do right so i walked into a gynecologist and he was the town like baby deliverer so i go in and there's pictures of every baby in the town on the walls and i'm like oh shit you know I have something going on in my kitty cat. Um, it's itching and like itching. So anyway, he did an exam and then he sat me down and he was like, you have gonorrhea. Such a scary name. And crabs. Here is a prescription for the soapy stuff you put on. Also, P.S. I gave my mom and her husband crabs. So I was mad at them. So it was kind of good. Um, wait, wait, wait. How yeah, do they, you do that. How do they get it? Just goes around the house? Towels. Like it can be oh, spread. Oh, God. God yeah, 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 oh, yeah. my. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. But one thing about gonorrhea is, is it burn? Like, no, I never, I I never mean, had crabs or gonorrhea. It says that, but like, I didn't have symptoms. Nothing, okay, I had okay. just like some discharge, but okay. like, how do I know what the fuck is going on down there? I'm like, there's just a lot of things that come out yep. and it yes. changes all month and it's constantly whatever. Totally. So, um, anyway, this asshole hospitalized me for 14 days, which gonorrhea, the treatment for gonorrhea is a shot, a pill. It's like very antibiotics, yeah. even back then. He hospitalized me for 15 days to scare me. And he said, I said, well, I was crying in the office because I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And he's, I said, will I be able to have children? I'm surrounded by every child photo in the thing. He says to me, we won't know until you try. And then he hospitalizes me for 15 days. So I'm convinced that I have completely ruined my life that I am now, you know, and. At and the, you're underage too. And I'm underage. Yeah. 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 So at the time. The, then when I got first of all in the hospital I told everyone in the town because I was like there is a disease going around that can ruin your life you need to everyone needs to get checked immediately because we all could be sterile like this was wow because that ring the alarm you know so everyone came in it was like a confessional like everyone from the high school was showing up at my bedside <laughs> and being like I have these symptoms I don't oh know what to do God. and I was Holy like shit. go get checked here's a pamphlet I had a stack of pamphlets I was giving them out I put one in the backpack of the guy who gave it to me. And I was like, you really need to do something, get checked. And the, the school nurse at the time, if you had an STD, you would get called into the school nurse's office and have to tell them everyone that you had sex with. Come oh, on. Fuck. Yes. Uh, like just the deepest amount of humiliation you can imagine. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure if I remember everybody, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, at the time it was probably like four or something. Yeah. Three. I think I was at three. <laughs> this is a real fact. I only slept with five women my whole life. Really? That's beautiful. 
Well, one's including my wife. Aww. Other things happened besides that with girls. It wasn't that, but the main thing, like, yeah, I was yeah. so scared of all that shit as a kid. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Why were you scared? <laughs> oh, because I got my heart broken by one girl who cheated on me. Then after that, I was like, fuck women. I'm not going to, like, go. I'm not going to do that with women anymore. I'm just going to. I don't know. Mm. Guess we'll talk about it later, everybody. It's podcast. a soul swap, you know. Yeah, sex we're, is we're like the same. We're like the same person in that aspect. Yeah. Really? Hell yeah! All that shit scared me. Yeah. Yeah. Was, what the fuck? I was just so intimidated about. It. I was just so scared about getting a girl a pregnant, lot. getting a disease. Yeah. All yeah. that. Well, we grew up in the AIDS era, also. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole. I wore two condoms once. <laughs> Mm, that's nice. Oh, wow. Okay, that was I nice of you. Listen, I was, <laughs> anyway, I, I might have to edit this off the podcast. <laughs> Fuck it, who cares? Okay, go ahead. Back to you. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, gonorrhea in the fucking town. Yeah, the you're, you're like the yeah, town yeah, counselor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gonorrhea okay, queen. so I, I tell everyone, I and out of concern, I stick a pamphlet in the guy's backpack. He gets, he brings, he was also from Toronto. He brings his girls up from Toronto to come and threaten me that they're going to kick my ass. Um, For what? He gave it to you. I know. Come on. He Dude's was a, a whack. He man. was also a lot older than I was. How much older? A, a, a he was 19. Dude, that's fucking illegal, isn't yeah. it? I know. <laughs> Statutory. I'm wow. aware. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I got, I ended up pregnant because I thought I couldn't have kids. And by the gun, by the, guy. By the gun no, 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 fuck no. Okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. It was my next boyfriend, I think, or like two after that or something. Um, he, he was a DJ. I am a sucker for DJs. I have a very large problem with DJ love. I love them. Um, I'm a music digger. So he had a rope chain and a three finger ring and he was a DJ. So basically come get me. Um, (laughs) Oh shit. I ended up pregnant. I was living with him, um, already because I had moved out of my house and, yeah, I ended up pregnant. I was in grade 11. What did your parents say? What did they do? Oh, my mom, um, I called her collect from a payphone to tell her. And she lived in a different city. Um, and she said, you've ruined your life. All the things that you, you know, all this potential you had, it's destroyed. It's over. And I was like, okay, I'll show you. So <laughs> I was like, what? Racking my brain. What are the things that I... Uh, could do that I you know that I was going to live up to my full potential and I was like I know I always wanted to be a cheerleader let me let me become the greatest cheerleader of <laughs> greatest all pregnant time. cheerleader of all time yes well I got pregnant I had the yeah, baby yeah, yeah. and then I went back to school so I could be a cheerleader wow. I went back to high school so I could cheer and I went to university so I could cheer mm-hmm. I became the captain of my team in university oh P.S. when I went back to school after having my baby I was on a mission to prove to the world that I hadn't fucked up my life because of that phone okay. call yep. and was valedictorian was head of the Hell cheerleading yeah. team was on students council was on honor roll was like watch me bitch uh-huh. <laughs> you know my mom is my biggest cheerleader today but like at the time i was on a mission to, prove. to prove yeah i'm sorry i missed the point how, how old were you when you had your kid 17 17 okay and then went back got yeah okay. so i got i started having sex at 15 pregnant at 16 Baby 17. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Okay. Went back to school 18 ish. Yeah. So I started university at 20. Wow. Um, and I did like a five year, we have five year things. Five, high school was five years. How do so I we, pronounce the name? Golf? Golf? Guelph. Guelph. Okay. Yes. Interesting name. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super <laughs> weird name. I know. I went there because I wanted to be a chiropractor and they had this kinesiology program. So I started in biomedical science and I did two years of that and then switched to English because. 
words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like them. Um, so then you start traveling all around the world too, being a choreographer for cheerleading, right? Yeah. I Damn. trained like top teams, Chinese national team. I was yeah. in Finland, Sweden, all over the UK, Germany. What year would that be? I wonder if there's any time, probably a way different time than you were cheerleading. Probably. 2000s. Th- I started cheer uh, 2002. Oh, no. I was I was out yeah. in those streets. And I, quit, wow. I stopped cheerleading in 2000. I started in 2002 and stopped in 2013. Huh. Where did you cheer? So I cheered, um, like, I did, like, competitive cheer, like, club cheer back home in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Then I went to school in Texas. I went to a junior college. Which one? Uh, Trinity Valley Community <laughs> College. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. TVCC. Woo! Oh, wow. Let's go, bro. You think I don't know my cheerleading shit? Come on. Please. She's a fucking pro, bro. I never know because, I mean, like, there's not so many people I have. So when were you in Daytona? Because I was, I competed in Daytona. Shit, I was in Daytona. Imagine, dude. Damn, uh, I did Daytona. Oh, what was that? Oh seven. Oh seven. Oh zero seven. Now you guys crossed then paths I, back then, dude. Then I. Oh zero seven. Oh seven. Oh nine. Mm. Yeah. Oh seven. Oh nine. Yeah. I and think I was. Du- I think I was done. So I started yeah. coaching. I coached University of Toronto and. Um, Guelph when I yeah. stopped cheering so we took both of them to Daytona yeah um but yeah I was I was like one of the first people over to Europe training teams training. yeah yeah, yeah for sure. with like James Speed yeah yeah, and, so yeah I cheered at University of Louisville is that crazy <laughs> oh my god obsessed they were like my dream yeah, team yeah, yeah. Avi wow. um, it's like it was like like the, the team the team yeah like Damn. that was like the school you wanted to cheer at yeah that was you yeah Wow. Yeah, son. <laughs> and then you guys won a bunch of championships too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All of them. They won all of them. Wow. Yeah. That was the crazy. team. Fuck. So, so you went to TVCC and then UofL? Yeah, then UofL. And then I you know, went back home because I, I, I started doing stand-up uh-huh. when I was at UofL. Uh-huh. And then uh, I went. I liked that better than anything else. And yeah. so then I went back home. And then my buddy had a... A t- uh, he was like he used to so my buddy had a gym out here in I think it was in Costa Mesa and uh, he gathered all like Cali? pretty much yeah 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 like a bunch of Louisville alumni yeah to do this like level 16 and then we did that and went to Worlds and won all that Tanaz shit. right Tanaz no 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 gym? I didn't do California All-Stars oh, not uh, that one but yeah mm, I know Tanaz and all that stuff mm-hmm. yeah that's funny so <laughs> crazy when I saw it about you I was like holy shit yeah I that's mean it's so a small funny. it's a small it's a small world. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What kind of stuff did you do? Like, what was your, like... I was a mid-bass, so... What's that mean to listeners? It means I'm everything. Okay. Which makes sense now that you know me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like... So you're a bass and a flyer. So I did baskets and also... Like, baskets are when they throw you up and you flip and click and do that Fuck. stuff. Yeah. But I was the middle of the pyramid. So I was holding somebody oh, yeah, I mean, and being two, held. Two, two, one. Like, yeah. He doesn't know the two, two, Yeah, two, I mean, the one, listeners so. want to know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so yeah the middle yeah. of the pyramid, yeah. And what were you? Who do you think I am? <laughs> hard bottom. Yeah, no, hard bottom. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it like that. <laughs> well, you and the other, you're, I seen you. Hard fucking, bottom. <laughs> I saw you at the bottom, like you were fucking yoked. Yeah, and then, it, I, you know, it was a tumbler. I'm so glad tumbler. I wore my running shoes. We're not doing a chair. Now that I know you went to U of L, we're doing like a toss to the top. <laughs> <laughs> so you got thrown in the air and shit, too. Yeah, my yeah. wife did that, too. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, my wife's on top of these pyramids in Chicago. Fuck, I never talked about it on the podcast. I know. Yeah, I got pictures she, of my wife. Yeah, she has a that. bunch of pictures. My next music video 
you're you're in it. Oh, cameo <laughs> by Chappelle Lacey, dude. And so we're gonna stunt. I'll teach you how to stunt. Oh, I'm working on a song right now. Uh-huh. I'll teach you how to fuck. There you go. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> based off of "I'll Teach You How to Stunt," which was a great cheerleading song, and also back to what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so, so when you, that's uh, Fifty Cent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's coming here in the fall on Twenty Years of Get Rich or Die? Trying, we're going. You got to come. Okay, I have to fucking I'm see down. that. Yeah. Um, I took my son to see Fifty Cent. Where? Uh, in Toronto, Fifty Cent when he was with um, Jay Z. They Damn. did a tour together, right? Am I? Am I? Yeah, it had to be then. like uh, 2004. Yeah. So I took him to. We didn't go into the concert. We sat outside on the hill because it was Canada Day, so there was going to be fireworks. So we were sitting listening to the concert, and like between every song was gunshot, 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 and then there was like other gunshots. And my son said, um, "What, mommy? Why are there gunshots?" over there or no why are there fireworks over there and i was like because we don't hear gunshots in canada like so i was like that's not fireworks we're gonna go now um but then i thought you know maybe i won't take him to any rap concerts for a while um for realsies but i did take him to see little bow wow oh that's 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 safe yeah Yeah, it was us and like thirty thousand screaming little girls Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah damn yeah i mean took my son to see jay-z before um, yeah, a bunch of shit with Eminem with Rihanna. We flew to Jersey for that. Cool. Because he loved Eminem growing up. Yeah. But I got to go see Up in Smoke back in the day. Wow. On the Dre 2001 tour. I saw it three times. Wow. And I got my first contact buzz there. I never tried nothing my whole life. So that was the only time I ever got a contact buzz. Yeah. Was that arena. It was fucking crazy. Yeah. And fucking uh, <laughs> Dub C Crip walk in with Exhibit. Yeah. Oh my God. It was incredible. Okay, back to your life. Yeah. So are you still writing, doing poetry, listening yes. to hip hop while you're doing all the cheerleading? You're doing everything. Yes. Um, I actually did, when 8 Mile came out, I bawled my eyes out through the credits. Was just like so moved. Don't know why. I cried in Teen Wolf. I mean, I cry always. You're sensitive. I can tell like me. Yeah. But we'll I cry later together. wrote a poem, a poem. To Eminem? After I watched that about hip hop. Mm. I was just about to do it, but then I was like, oh no, that's the diss poem I wrote to About Eminem. To Eminem. Yeah, yeah, I looked at I have that, that one too I because that. I was very upset at him after his shady XV cipher. I was like, can you can we stop with the fucking misogyny? Like, can we talk about something else? Mm. Um, he has anyway. some sick ciphers though. Okay, yeah. yeah, it was sick. I, 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 when I saw that one, I posted it on Facebook. I was like, he is unbelievable. His rhyme structure is unbelievable. Was that the one like the parking garage about Trump and all that stuff? No, not Trump. That shit was fucking ill. No, this was the one they're, they're in like some old building with the ceiling is all like, so, um, uh, uh, punch Lana Del Rey twice in her face. Punt in the elevator, celebrate with the Ravens, the stench of estrogen, all this shit, right? And so I posted, I was like, God, he's so good. And my friend was like, yeah, but misogynist much? And I was like, I did not even notice. Mm. And then I was so furious with myself for not noticing and just taking it. And I was like, man, you know, hip hop has been really hard on me as a woman uh, in my formative years and I'm mad about it. And so that's where that came from. Was gotcha. a response to that. Yeah. Wow. He's been real quiet since though, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Eminem, you've been real quiet, dude. Um, <laughs> so, so you end up like retiring from the, the cheerleading stuff, right? And traveling and stuff and yeah. focusing on writing and well, I built a business, um, in the cheerleading world. I built a couple different ones, but one was like 
I was in 14 countries and manufacturing uniforms and um, running summer camps and coach sending coaches like James Speed, yeah. you know, all over the world to coach. And um, it was like 08 and things were going crazy with the economy. Yeah. And mostly it was doing business in China. At the time, China was just, it was booming, but unstable in terms of um, manufacturing there. And yeah. I just ran into some really heavy manufacturing problems with the uniforms and clothes. Jamfest offered Jamfest. to buy me, yeah. buy my company at the time. Wow, oh, that so is? Cr- yeah, no, exactly. right, yeah. Right. What is that to listen? What is it to listen? So Jamfest is a, uh, is a basically a cheerleading company. They hold uh, competitions. Okay. And you've yeah. you been yeah. to one of those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys win? They hold them all over. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> this is cheer royalty this over is here. So fu- <laughs> Did you have no idea, right? This no is so idea. cool. I love this shit. <laughs> Um, yeah. So anyway, I went, I, my business exploded. I, my dad got sick. I had just bought a house. I had put all of my like capital into a house Wow. and had no cash to deal with the situation that was happening in China with the, um, I didn't have a buffer and I'm like, no, I guess I was in my early thirties at this point. Um, and my son had just moved in with his father, which was needed, but it was like this, you know, the implosion that happens in your early thirties to almost everyone. Um, and so I, I just, I had to let it all go. Like my, it was like, choose my dad. No, I went bankrupt. It was like, choose to be with my dad while he was getting like it was like he got sick and it was like six months Mm -hmm. or go and save my business because anything can be saved you know but I was like you know when I first started cheerleading I was a choreographer and I was working with all these teams all around the world and doing routines for them and then it became a business Mm -hmm. and I lost the love the art the artistic expression that I was experiencing I love working with the kids too I love trying to save young women because of like my experience. I feel like if I can give some guidance and support to young women, then it's not all for naught. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it imploded. And then I was like, okay, my dad died and left me um, like $50,000 in a life insurance policy. So I ran away to Europe. I was like, I'm moving to Monte Carlo now because I'm rich. <laughs> Literally. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> Uh, 50 G's rich. Hey, that's a lot of money though back then. It's a lot of money now. Yeah. And I got it all in cash because I was buy going chain bankrupt. Nothing, no chains or nothing? Okay. I didn't buy... I, I bought some cool glasses. Okay. Um, Roberto Cavalli's. You still have them? You still have them? No, I broke them. <laughs> um, so I moved and started wandering around Europe and I was going to move to France, but then I got there and like everyone was so rude. Um, so I was like, fuck this. <laughs> now I'm kind of into it. Like yeah. the way French women are just like, fuck off. I'm like, I want that more in my personality. It's very straightforward. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up in London cause it was just like, they got my jokes, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I hung out in London for a while and then I came home to be in a friend's, I was going to say funeral wedding. Oh my God. <laughs> Break up. Um, <laughs> my friend's wedding and then i ended up staying i got a job um working for a yacht charter company wow. selling yacht charters and then i you lived on one you know what's yeah, up yeah i knew you know it was up you know the deal friends yeah. of the family yeah. you know the guy tried to fuck my mother at one point so he was like come work for me um <laughs> <laughs> second chance um <laughs> Then I then I worked in an art gallery and I started. Then this was where the real turn happened. Okay. When I worked in the art gallery, I was working with artists 
find Canadian artists that did mostly figurative work, which means like uh, paintings of people and um, an artist friend of mine there said, you are a blocked artist. This happens a lot with blocked artists. We, go, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. You go and try to work with other artists like as an agent or a facilitator, mm. right? Because you have this impulse, but you're afraid to do it. So you you put your opinions on everyone else. A&R, they're often people that wanted to do that. But, 100%. And they find that they have this gift to be able to communicate because they have the artist's soul, but they also understand the business. Music so, critics too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's they're the harshest ones because they they have all this creative energy that's not getting utilized in the big, beautiful, expressive form that they want it to Interesting, be. Interesting, man. I'm, I, wow. Think about that. Yeah, that just hit me. I've never I've never thought of it like that. I yeah. think about that. Like the people that critique albums or your music, like what have you wrote? Have you wrote a song? Have you done yeah, anything it's, in music? it's very interesting. Or movies too. Yeah, that's a very interesting breakdown of that because, you know, I... I I don't know. I guess yeah, being someone that you know is a comedian or you know whatever, just You're a musician you know, too. I'll give yeah, you that. Mus- sorry, musician too. But like, just having people who don't necessarily do the damn thing or do anything of that nature that come close to it, but they have this, you know, this sense of like what they say about it. Yeah, is the correct thing. But it's like end all and be all of everything. The end all mm-hmm. be all of like things. It's yeah. like I remember one time Bill Burr was talking about how he was doing a show somewhere. And uh, and someone got mad and they wrote a blog about it, mm. you know, or whatever. And that that depicted the whole show. But it's like, no, that was one person. Facts. That yeah. was one person of the other. Like, there were so many people there that had a great time. But this one person mm-hmm. who wrote this blog is the one that's getting the attention as if that was the show. That's mm-hmm. like one negative comment out of like a thousand good ones. Of a thousand, mm-hmm. of a thousand good ones. Same thing we talked about that too. But meanwhile, sure fuck your that day one, up, though. yeah, but meanwhile, that's the one that like gets the attention because, but meanwhile, the whole show was a great show. And, yeah. I, and I, you know, it just hearing you break that down that way, that block and like, you know, where people go and they, you know, get these, this feeling to be like, well, I, I don't think that's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in in what is that there's a uh, quote about that it's like in in works of genius we recognize our own dismissed ideas something like that yeah. there there is we're all pulling from the same source so people get very angry when it's really close to them like when i was not rapping i couldn't watch i have not watched atlanta i watched like a couple episodes i couldn't watch it I didn't listen to a lot of female rappers because it like hurt too much. Mm. And I didn't realize like that that was the reason I was doing it necessarily. But now that I am expressing now that I am filling that container with the love that I have for it, I feel love for other artists. It's easier for me to be open to what people are experimenting Mm. with. But when you're shutting it off from yourself, it's really hard to, look at it and I also feel like people who you know for me I had this other acting container I've always been expressing in some way shape or form being creative yeah yeah but when you're not expressing when you don't have a container that creative energy needs to create yes so it is going to create drama in your Mm. life in your relationships uh or you're gonna you're gonna try and stuff it and bury it with alcohol drugs sex yeah poker whatever the fuck whatever your vices 
I really believe that this is the answer to addiction, to the way that we treat each other. I think that it's like should be mandatory for everyone to have three fucking hours a day where you just play, where you are just allowing yourself to make mistakes, to explore your creative energy, to Mm. put your emotional life into something that doesn't have to turn into a business. It doesn't have to be monetized. Yeah, I love that, man. man. That's That's, some real fucking gem right there. That's a real gem right there. That's a real fucking gem. That's like... But we talk about all the time that that we don't have bosses, right? So we created these kind of jobs where... I'm a musician. I have a podcast. I answer to myself, my wife first and foremost. But you know, like we create these things to express ourselves. Whether I'm going on tour, performing, or I'm talking to you guys right now, this is a way I yeah. create and express, and it's therapeutic to me as well. And have these ways to release. And not everybody yeah. has it. They go to work. They fucking hate their jobs. They're yeah, fucking miserable. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, one one thousand percent. I don't know. There's some there's some uh, beauty to it. That's why I'll, re- I'll respect anyone that you know, puts the time in to go for something that they're trying to create. 100. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, because one, it's, it's not the traditional thing that people tell you when you're growing up. It's like, what you're supposed to work at. What you're supposed to work at. And, you know, I I mean, just, I remember remember being in school and, you know, they, what, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be a pro skater. Mm. And they were like, Oh, well, you should think about something else, you know, just, just a case. And it's like, and it was like, that thing of mine was like shut down. Because Automatically. it's not the thing that you're like society, t- t- yeah. society, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, says you're supposed to be doing. So I always, always anyone that's going out and trying it and like, you know, where they work a nine to five and they get off work and they go straight to, you know, you uh, stand an up. open mic yeah. and, or something like that. I'll always give that person uh, credit because it is not it's not an easy thing. And it's, no. and it's not. Mm. And, you know, I feel like. With with being a creative or whatever, you're all, like you're always rolling the dice. Mm. <laughs> as far as like, or sorry, no, I put it this way: you're. I feel like you're always playing chess. Mm. Whereas, like when you go into your job, like if you work at a, you know, a restaurant or a hotel, benefits. Or whatever, you you go in, you know exactly what time you're going in, you know exactly what time you get off, you know, uh, you know when your check is coming, you know when what time your check is going to be deposited to your account or whatever. <laughs> you know all you know, you know all these things. You have all these things set up for you right then and there. Yeah. Whereas like what we do, we're literally playing chess. True. Mm-hmm. It's show day. to show, tour to show tour, to show, yeah. tour to tour. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, it, every day is chess. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But I'm I'm happy I chose this for my life because I love it. I love pushing myself. I love grinding. I love hustling. I love you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I love going after it. Because it's my shit. Yeah. Like nobody else is over top of me telling me what I got to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do yeah, it on yeah. my time. Yeah. When I, you know what I mean? I don't know. We're yeah. very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. The thing about this career that is also challenging is that it's very easy to still be living a creative life, to still have a creative career. Yes. But spend your time in the business of the thing and not spend enough time in the expressive playful this doesn't have to result in anything space that is imperative to creation yes and that is that was my problem for sure like i'm you know because i had a child so young i was in university i was captain of the cheerleading team in university i was studying like crazy you know Mm -hmm. whatever i needed to compartmentalize to survive so i think of it as different hats right so i I created this whole system called the time trampoline, which is um, for creatives who have to wear multiple hats in their day. Mm -hmm. And also creatives who are, 
you know, maybe expressing in multiple um, modalities or, you know, you're an actor, you're a singer, you're whatever, because even within your own little sphere, like I would have acting competing with music, competing with writing. I would sit down to write and be like, oh, I should be working on this audition or I should be submitting things that are easy. We always want to go toward the path of least resistance. So I had to learn to create temples around my creative time where nothing can touch me and I'm so that my artist feels free to come out and just play without the other voices that come in. Yeah. So it's like time blocking. Um, it's this whole course. I ha- it's on TikTok for fourteen ninety nine. But I love that you can do. We can wear more than one hat, different hats. You can do yeah. a bunch of things. Yeah, hundred so, percent. Just not at the same time. Yes. This is where the where yeah. the uh, the feelings of disease or like anxiety come from is yeah. when you're sitting down and you're wearing multiple hats at the same time. Oh, I need to be a husband right now and also. Um, do my marketing. Yeah. You cannot do those things at the same time. They are different hats. True. Different. So you have to like compartmentalize. And the people that have gone through my course, what happens is that like one friend of mine was like, I walked into the kitchen and I looked at my wife after, you know, a week of doing this time trembling thing. And I was so present with her. And she Mm. turned around and was like, what? And he's like, I just love you. Mm. You know, like because you can show up in a room in your shoes and eyeballs because you don't have all these other voices being like, it's you got to worry about the money. You got to worry. It's a about really the great thing. I need to. I need yeah. to order this thing. I think. Yeah. Yes. That's, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is like an amazing Just shutting things off. Right. Amazing conversation because I think the thing is is like people feel like if they're not doing the thing there's they, that they want, you know, if they're not doing that every day, mm-hmm. every second, that they're not gonna get it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but where where's your we're just like I take days off from comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I'll I, I'll go two or three days, whatever, whatever I want, just so I can like sit down. Yeah, you know, because I, I want to sit down. I want to like like I'm a human at the same time. Like you don't want to stand up all the time. Yeah, no. and, and 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 I found that you know to, it, it helps me you know just control my sanity. Yeah, you know, and, and keep and keep it or whatever, keep it you know uh, the mental stability just stronger. By taking, you know, a break and just like not thinking about it. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to just sit down. I'm going to just, you know, li- live life and, and do something, mm-hmm. you know, go to a concert or, or whatever, you know. You have to refill your creative yeah. engine. For sure. I mean, that's, that. so when I was at that gallery and this artist who said to me, you are a blocked artist, she took me to um, the bookstore and bought me The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, mm-hmm. which was a game changer. So my course, the time trampoline is an extension of that combined with a course in miracles, which I also have been studying for 20 years. And it's like a practical application of those two books or philosophies that helps you like manage your time, you know, Mm. in a way that's, that's for the spirit. Mm. And because I was suffering, I I, I did it for myself. Yeah. And then just like with the gonorrhea, you know, I was like, <laughs> guys, I figured something out. Let yeah, me yeah, share yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, when you find something like that, it's helping yeah. you want to help other people for sure. Yeah. So with, but, uh, oh, sorry. My real question was, do you fuck with Atlanta now? Atlanta? I still haven't watched it's more than the first season. fucking I know. show. I know. I'm aware. Oh I'm aware. I watched like the first part of the first season. I was like, this is amazing. I fucking wish I made it. He's like, he's like. Just that's the art that's me yeah. I, like i write he's like my TV. North star. i write I, yeah. it's same yeah it's incredible music like 
Yeah. Then he had the new uh, Swarm just came out. He did that one too. He did. With Billy Eilish. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. You have to watch it. You have to like, it might inspire you. Well, I started watching Rap Shit. Which I was like, man, I don't know if I can watch that either. I never heard of that. I'm watching the new Tupac series. It's incredible. I know. You're watching it? Do you yes. Know? I watched the first uh, episode. Oh well, I told you I've been working with Layla. Mm-hmm. Layla's in that first one. She's, oh, she is? Yeah, she's the one who was like his first manager. She oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Mm. It's really cool because we've been talking about it in the in the sessions and like, you know, things the way things get edited that's not necessarily... Um, you know, like she she was talking about the quote she said about Tupac wanted to seduce the children of America. And she's like, they cut it off before I could finish it. But mm. essentially she's like, so that they would go back home to their families and have the conversations. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember that part in there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I have a great Tupac story. I tell you off the pod, but I told it a million times about me meeting him, having a moment with him. And oh, cool. Tell you later. Um, go ahead. Oh, what are you gonna say? No, good. Well, when you got out of uh, cheerleading, because yeah. you said you lost the passion for that, was that because it became so business-like to you? Yeah, yeah. And also, there was something else happening. Like I knew, I've always known I was an, a performer for mm. sure. <clears throat> and it was like, you know, I was doing the musical theater, and I was writing poetry and watching Eight Mile, and I was doing spoken word. I did poetry slams. This is all while you were coaching. Poetry slams. In the early, yeah, in the early days of poetry slams, I was doing them. There was this um, session called Up From The Roots run by Dwayne Morgan, who I think is still running in Toronto. So I want to say it was like 2000 and I was at the first like competition. And at the time, poetry slams were still very angry um, and everyone was getting up and like yelling at the man and I yeah. was getting up and I'm like, I am like a tree and on the inside <laughs> I feel mushy on the outside yeah. or like whatever. And <laughs> then people would hold up numbers. Like I remember being shocked to my core the first time I did it. People held up numbers and someone gave me a five or something and I was like, <gasps> like my, I am, what does my, I just laid my soul on your, and now someone, I, can't, I cannot do this. Like I was just way too sensitive to be mm. judged in that way. Yeah. <laughs> Fast yeah. forward to today and uh, I get all the comments and all the mean stuff and I'm just fine with it. I'm good with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's easy to film yourself at your house yeah. and just do what you do and no audience. and No, there's an audience. I know it's an audience, but it's like, but it's just you there. So is it No, no, no. Because stressful? when I'm filming myself, I'm live. I don't film oh, myself. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's there's right. comments scrolling the entire but I mean, time. physical people, like you're on a stage, you're in your fucking house. That's yeah. got to be more. You know what's easy. interesting? I feel like I'm in a stadium. Okay. I really do. Like I I believe how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And so when I show up to that shit, I show up like it's that makes, a stadium. That makes all wow. sense. Dude. That's uh, cool. Uh, I was going to say based off the delivery and what you're, the way you're putting it out there. Yeah, I can tell you feel that. Yeah. When sure. I try to do a video without the audience there, it's not as powerful yeah yeah, yeah. it's more mm. polished but it's not however <laughs> i will say the one that has gone crazy viral the i ain't got no dick in me for three months don't talk to me if you're shit ain't a tree trunk. tree trunk yes 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 yep so everyone's like sing the tree trunk song another, yeah um but that one was like i was just like i got to post every day i didn't have something for instagram i like put it i experimented with just doing it on instagram that day i read the lyrics because I didn't know them yet. And I just was like, here's a new verse I'm working on, guys. And I'm just like kind of checked out and sort of reading it and like not even, there's no, 
the delivery is so oh my god but i think that's what makes it so funny is that like it's like kind of uncomfortable to watch uh, <laughs> did you did you uh, well i was going back to the poetry real fast yeah they were down you, and taking me ever, three months <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I think Def Jam used to have those those poetry. Did you ever yeah, watch yeah, those? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We didn't get them in Canada. Like it wasn't on regular sure. TV, but I knew of it and saw yeah. bits and pieces. Saul yeah. Williams has some intense. Uh, had had mm. a really intense one. Mm. Saul Williams. Uh, I think DMX did it one time. Oh, oh cool. Yeah, Kanye did one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love. I, I most Def did one as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I still do spoken word at my shows. Yeah. I have some pieces that I really love, and I write all the time. That's like kind of my my natural flow is sure. very com- my rhyme structure is very complex, and that works for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those flows fit on beats, and sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. And but that's my my process is writing yeah. in like a spoken word form, and then sometimes the beat, you know, I'll write to a beat and try and simplify it for the masses but <laughs> um so after the chilean stuff you get you get into the writing and the acting you're taking acting classes in toronto then then ucb in new york city and stuff like that and yeah really focusing on that yeah i went to um strasburg and ucb simultaneously mm. in new york um and strasburg is method acting ucb is like improv um so that was really cool and i went to second city in toronto and then i came out to la but when i first started studying in toronto um i had my friend had told me to get this artist way book and the first night i did it i had a dream and the thing with the artist way is you write three pages of stream of consciousness every morning yeah so i was writing my dreams down and i had this dream where i went through a series of things you know ideas that i had in my mind as to what i was going to do with my life now and um i it was like goldilocks like i was like walking into an art gallery and like oh i can i can do this if i want but i don't want to then i walked into a clothing place and it was like i can make a clothing yeah. a new clothing line but i don't want to and then i went into a rug store i can be a de- developer i worked for a condo developer i was going to get Fuck. into real estate and then he actually told me i had to leave he's like you're an artist you need to stop working here go be an artist um, and that all happened at the same time. So then I had this dream and then I walked into onto Saturday night live yes. and I was on stage and Fuck. the crowd was cheering and I had a bowl of soup in my hand because that's basically all I know how to cook. And I held it up to the audience and they cheered louder. And then I took the soup spoon and I fed myself with the spoon and then held it up to them. It was like we were feeding each other Mm. back to that experience I had as a child where it was like this exchange of light between us. So I woke up and I more happened in the dream. You know, I, all my insecurities actually came up. I went backstage and I was like, okay, I'm on SNL. Most importantly, what am I wearing? (laughs) Uh, So I go to the costume department and this guy hands, uh, shows me a, a, a drawing, a sketch of a woman in a forties, Hollywood gown nice. and I'm like obviously that is what I'm wearing because that's my path <laughs> in life is to be this like 1940s Hollywood starlet <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I'm like great I'm so glad I'm wearing this and then he hands me a wife beater and cut off shorts and I'm like oh I get it everyone in the sketch is wearing that and I'm wearing that that's fine I'm happy to be the butt of the joke I'm okay with this mm-hmm. so then I put on this outfit I'm very uncomfortable. And there's these two women sitting on either side of me, both with long brown hair and big brown eyes, which in my mind, that's like the Broadway actress. They all look the same, you know? Um, 
And they're both looking over my shoulder and I'm looking at the script and the script is all these different pieces of paper that are in um, pastel and I can't read in my dreams. So I'm like holding the script right up to my face trying to read it. And I'm like, fuck, I can't, I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to, the, the actor's nightmare, right? You don't yeah. know your lines. I'm going out, I don't know my lines. And then these, these younger, cause I was in my mid thirties when I started the acting. Dream she had of SNL. Yeah. So these women are looking over my shoulder and I'm like, I feel like I'm competing with them. So I'm like, I'm not going to compete with other women. That's a really big thing for me. I'm not fucking into it. I don't, I don't want yeah. to, to elevate like in a happy way, but I'm not, I don't not into that. So I closed the script. I hand it to them and I was like, you know what? Just get me on stage and I'll be fine. Wow. And then I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, I'm an actor. It's a crazy dream. It was so specific. And vivid too. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. vivid. And, I was like, I'm an actor. So I called my friend Pedro, <laughs> who recently passed. Rest in peace, my friend. And I said, um, I think I'm an actor. I'm going to go to, because he was an actor. I'm going to go to, um, there's a class, a $5 drop-in class at Second City. I'm going to go tonight. I'm so scared. It was a Monday, I remember. I'm, I'm so scared. And I went in there and it was like, oh my God. The light, talk about the light. Mm. It was like, this is pure joy. And so I went to Second City for, you know, the first year of um, classes. And then I was sitting in a commercial audition with one of my teachers beside me. And I was like, oh, is this this is where this goes here? Like mm -hmm. she's to me at the top of her game. She's been on main stage, blah, blah, blah. She, we're at the same audition. Wow. So I'm out. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious about this shit. I'm going to New York. So then I went to New York, UCB. Strasbourg because I really wanted to act act yeah <laughs> improv is improv improv is improv I wanted to act act um so I studied simultaneously and then you know did the New York thing and then was like I'm going to LA eh. but the reason I came to LA which I'm sure is next on your list is to do the show with the far side yes that's how I ended up that kind of found you I guess or is yeah yeah he came to hip-hop karaoke in Toronto um one of the shows I was I was at and you know he was DJing so obviously I was like who are you <laughs> um were you a Farside fan no wow don't tell anyone okay um he's a big listener he knows <clears throat> he's aware he, he actually told me I was like you know after I had my son because I had my son in 92 I didn't listen to a lot of hip-hop for a while huh. because it was too much it was getting really heavy at the time even though there was a lot of light hip-hop yeah. countering it it was I was like R&B house because I need, I couldn't. Yeah. I Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yes. We listen to R&B uh, a lot. You got it going on. Yeah. You make me happy. So very <laughs> I don't know what I would do. That was my favorite. Wow. I always requested that. Then without you in my life. What's the four on ones a masterpiece, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to listen to that on the way home. It's so good. Um, so then you're, mm -hmm. then you're in New York. Yeah. So I was in New York and then, so I met Fat Lip in Toronto. I, I would go back and forth cause I'm Canadian. Right. I could only get so many months in the States and, um, I came down here. Well, we met, he watched the hip hop karaoke thing. He's a mad genius. He was like, this is amazing. This needs to happen in LA. Why is there no hip hop karaoke party in LA? There was one in New York. There was one in London. And when I was doing cheerleading, I would go to London and perform at the social is where they have it there. Mm -hmm. wow. um, and then when I was in New York, just cause I would go there to party. Um, they, I performed at BB King's nice. Brooklyn bowl. 
um, they originally had it at a really small venue. I remember the first time I went to New York, I did Mama Said Knock You Out. Nice. Um, a wow. small venue, yeah. And then I did You Don't Know at the Brooklyn Bowl, which was, oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. What about SOBs? Was that around back then? Uh, I don't know. Okay, that was like a hip hop spot. Was it? Yeah. Oh, the Wetlands, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, so I went out to LA to do the show with the far side. Um, I came here and they always say don't go to LA until LA calls for you so <laughs> <laughs> I just really did a Jay-Z song Jay-Z song in Brooklyn that's sick yeah yeah okay. that you don't know you yeah, don't know. yeah. <laughs> there have been a couple times in my hip-hop career that I've been not sure if I'm gonna get killed or not that was the first one the second one was at a Wu-Tang show with Fat Lip he was DJing what uh, he was DJing and using my computer because he didn't have a computer at the time. And my computer was one of these computers that was like on its last leg. Right. So he PC or something. No, it was a Mac. Okay, okay. It was a Mac, but it was so bad that like you turn it on and there's like 15 pop ups of all these like oh, viruses yeah, yeah, and crazy yeah. shit. That's all <laughs> I had to like click, click, click. So he um, he's DJing. He's opening for Wu-Tang. He's never met RZA at this point. And I don't know if you know this, but his firstborn child is named Riza. Okay. Did so not know that. He's obsessed. Sick. So this is a big deal. Riza, his son, is there to meet Riza. It's a very big day for everyone. Phallus DJing, I'm with him. It's in Orange County. Whatever that venue is, I can't remember. So he's in the middle of his set, packed house, and the computer shuts off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he looks at me and I'm like, I don't, did you plug it in? And he's like, no. So <laughs> the battery's dead. And he's like, what the fuck? So he's like, okay, um, gets the mic. Okay, is there MCs in the audience or whatever? And I'm like, hello, hello, right here. Like, what about me? Wow. You know? So he's he goes down the stage, and I'm expected to fix his technical issues. So I turn the computer on, have to wait for it to like boot up, go through all the fucking virus things that are popping up on the thing. Well, he's calling up MCs from the audience to rap while they're waiting for the technical issue to get sorted. Um, Did you we, feel a certain way that he wasn't just asking you right there? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So I get the computer running again, and then it's still not working. So then we need an aux cord. So we go to the guy. We need a cord. And, fa you know, the, the stage hand is getting a cord. And um, the, the bouncer on the side of the stage says to Fat Lip, I have another guy here if you want to keep rapping and he's like a oh, word okay cool where's the mic he and then he looks to me where's the mic like i'm his stage bitch now <laughs> and i'm like i don't fucking know where the mic is so i go to the stage hand where's the mic he's like it's right there on the stand i walk over i'm like is it hot and he's like mm -hmm. <laughs> so now i have the mic and so i'm wearing a disco onesie with like a super cute hat like i like to dress off brand like if it's a hip-hop concert Love i'll it. dress cute like like in a fancy outfit and yeah. if it's like fancy i'll dress like cool um so i'm in my disco onesie and i have the mic and i go what about me i want to rap too in that voice <laughs> he turns around if he could turn white, he would have turned white. <laughs> and he starts going like cross like across the neck, like no, what? no, no. Right? Walking up to me upstage. And I was like, exactly. He said, he said, Your face did the thing it does when you switch into that other person that is Mandy Mayhem. And I was like, fuck you and so i i walked around him and i was like fucking me you'll change your whole life man those condoms expiring on your nightstand no use the way i rock it so smooth so deep hitting on this dope the boys od og 
My heat is unlimited. I've been venomous since you was just an infant. It's literal. I've been killing them when they inside my middle. It's simple. So pay attention. This instant I ain't invisible. Enter. My chamber's on that Wu-Tang shit. Damn. Okay, and the audience is silent. Fat Lip is is pacing up upstage back and forth like what the fuck is she doing he's not beatboxing for me i'm alone downstage the audience is staring at me like what in the actual fuck is happening (laughs) and i say enter my chambers on that wu-tang shit and grab my vagina my M-E-T-H-O-D kicks Liu Kang with the tenderness of angels. These angels is picture perfect entangled. It's on my worship. I'm certain to rearrange a damn. Guess it's time to back off. Can't scare your soft ass with that smack talk. Then he comes. Then he comes downstage. Everyone's totally like, I heard is the a, crowd going crazy. No, they're silent. <laughs> uh, I hear this gasp, this gasp when I say Wu-Tang. Yeah. Gasp. Because they think I'm freestyling. I wasn't. It just so happened that I picked the verse that had the thing. Mm. He walks downstage, starts beatboxing with me. And I was like, oh, thank God. The chorus, I-N-V-I-S-I-B-L-E, bitch. Pay attention when I mention, no, you see this. Give me some love and I know you need this. Pussy is the power, so notice me when I speak dick to him. Because fuck you. You once called me your N-word. And now you're leaving me out to dry like this. <laughs> oh, shit. What, when I said, notice me when I speak dick, the crowd went, what? I was Holy like, oh, thank God I'm not going to die. No one's going to kill me, okay? This is epic, dude. So then I, then I go, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do now. The crowd's freaking out. So I was like, okay, thank you very much. And I dropped the microphone and ran back upstage. Wow. wow. Is this all on video? No. That's even I mean, better. people pulled, some people pulled out their phones. I'm sure somebody has what it somewhere. What year is this? <sighs> 18 okay no i don't know maybe wow. maybe 2018 it might have been not that long yeah i think it was 2018 um yeah it was 2018 because you've done karaoke a bunch of front of a bunch of audience like, oh yeah i'm this I is can, a real crowd for the wu-tang yeah and i am a cheerleader i can <laughs> yeah. fucking control a crowd mm-hmm. like watch out when i'm in front of, give me a stadium i'm ready yeah i'm ready put me in fearless coach. yeah 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 Oh, I'm f- I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm very Was that afraid. like a really kind of first big crowd as you're actually rhyming like that? Just off- no, okay. Because I had performed with hip hop karaoke. They did like special shows in, um, you know, like uh, equivalent of Times Square in Toronto, mm. kind of outdoor shows. But this is like not oh. karaoke. This is real shit. Uh, people that listen to lyrics also. Yes. So there is like a hip hop crowd. That's incredible. Uh, what do you say? That's a straight up hip hop crowd. Yeah. What do you say after the show? Like, what did Phantom say? <laughs> listen before you say anything it's not because you're a woman <laughs> i was like okay why is it then he's like it's the comedy shit you were coming with the comedy shit and i was like it's a serious wu-tang little did i know i just found out recently the reason the far side broke up is because and fat lists is from fat lips lips you can have him on here to confirm Sick. or deny um, is because he was dating a woman who was working with Wu-Tang at the time and they got in a fight and she said, you're soft to him. Okay. Mm. So he goes back to the studio, you know, and to see them and Trey's like working on a song called like Iron Butterfly or some shit. And he's like, what the fuck, man? We're soft. We're a joke. We're blah, blah, blah. And this was like the impetus, what started him down his path of like constantly 
being upset by the whole situation. Mm, wow. So, Meanwhile, they're so fucking amazing. I know. So original of so many great songs. And he knows that now, like Fuck. now that they're back together mostly and like they're touring, you know. Um, I mean, Running's like one of my favorite hip hop songs, yeah. the sample and everything. Oh, it's a it gives yeah. me goosebumps still. Yeah, that's like, so, yeah, that song, like, I mean, like fuck. if I'm doing like a night drive and just like, I just roll the windows down run, and let that, run. yeah, let that, that song yeah. play. So, I mean, come on. So w- once you finally listen to them after not knowing them, you're like, fuck. Yeah. Well, the first show I did with them was at the Roxy. So I flew into to LA to open for them at the Roxy. Um, to do hip hop karaoke. I didn't have my own stuff then. Yeah. So I was just, I was the MC for the night and entertaining the crowd and doing covers, but trying to get the crowd to come up and do hip hop karaoke. This yeah. was like Phelps vision and the rest of delicious final, the crew didn't want me there. Half of them did. Half of them didn't. Mm-hmm. They were in the green room fighting about whether or not I should be on stage for most of the night. And somebody would come out and take the mic from me and then he would come and give it back to me. The DJ refused to play with me. It was like shit was going down. Damn. And I was like, the LA crowd was miserable. I'm like, Toronto crowds are fucking way worse. I don't give a fuck. Leave me here long enough. I will get them on my side. I can win yeah. a crowd over. I'm not worried about that. But they were because it's serious. you know. Dr- dr. So I'm like, <laughs> come on, uh, just let me, let me keep going. I'll win them over. And I, and I was, and people were coming up to me like, you should be on SNL. You're so funny. And I'm like, I'm a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so that night I realized this reminds me a lot of cheerleading where when people would see it, they would either be like, this is the best shit I've ever seen, or this needs to stop immediately. Yeah. And that's like when I rap, people are either like, this is the best shit I've ever seen, or it needs to stop immediately. Mm. So I knew there was something there. So I went home after that show or not home but like to the hotel i was staying in um and messaged a friend of mine who was um in development at a production company in canada and i said i have this idea for a show and it's a mother yeah it's about a, a housewife who wants to be a rapper and she was like that's genius i love it right it's it. so smart yeah. yeah 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 and so that's where it came from was doing that show with them and seeing the re- the reaction that people had and like you know to your point earlier about wanting to skate I never even remotely occurred to me that I could r- be a rapper like mm. not in a f- moment of anything until I started winning all these hip hop karaoke championships and everyone's like dude I would pay to see you do this um, yeah but see, it's it's a love for the music though too and the culture and you're you know and then that turning into this it's and this even even now that it's happening is not because I was like, OK, I think now it's time to go after it. Mm-hmm. I hit a wall in my career after I decided to stop dyeing my hair in 2018. Why'd you stop? A <clears throat> um, few reasons. Mostly I wanted to bear witness to my life. Mm. I felt like I wasn't I was in conflict with like what was actually happening with my body and my face and my hair and. I was denying, not just, not even denying it. I just wasn't like, I, I, I want to see it. I'm interested in the process of my own life. I'm yeah. so fucking into myself. Were like, you trying to be yeah. young? You're trying to stay looking young? <clears throat> no. Dying I, it? No, I started going gray at 30 and I just it looks thought. It looks great. I, I can't wait to have gray hair. I want, I want full gray hair. I can't yeah. wait. I thought that's just what you did. Yeah. Like you just dye your hair when it goes gray. That's what you do. And then after 14 years of dyeing my hair, I was like, I, it was every two weeks. It was like. $300 to go get it done. Like I was spending more on that than groceries and yeah. it was taking off a layer of my scalp every time. And it just, it was unhealthy. It's toxic. It's like, 
you know? And I, I was like, look, and, and I, on Instagram, you can see, and on TikTok actually too, I posted the videos like the day I decided to do it because I was battling with my own image and my own experience of myself. Like, am I looking at myself through the eyes of everyone else or am I looking out through my own eyes? When I walk in a room, am I looking at the room like because of how I want to experience it or am I trying to be what the room wants me to be? Interesting. So I was using social media as a way to explore that relationship with myself. So as I went through the process of growing my hair out every day, I was journaling on Instagram on my stories. And you can see the first day where I'm like, I can't dye my hair anymore. I think I may never work again if I stop dyeing it and also may never get laid again, but I can't do this anymore. And, um, so I did, I did, I just, I stopped and it was before the pandemic. So before everyone else stopped. So everyone thought I was having a nervous breakdown, which I kind of was, but, um, I think a lot of people went gray during the pandemic. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Cause they couldn't go you know, diet it, or just stress and everything. Just also, everything. Yeah. 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 So, um, I don't regret a single day. And then like afterward, I, I got a lot more auditions once it had grown in, wow. but that's only because now I could play a 60 year old. Stop. No, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that's where I hit the wall this past November. I um I have a cheerleading project that I wrote called mm. Trophies. That's mm-hmm. a a series about all star cheerleading, but yeah. it's not a comedy, so nobody wants to pick it up because it's yeah, everybody not a wants to make that a, yeah, a joke. Yeah, yeah, they want to make it a joke. Yeah, up. that was the thing. Yeah, that was the thing. With it took me forever to talk about cheerleading on stage. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, "Oh, you got to make a joke about cheerleading. You got to make a joke." About it's cheerleading. like your biggest joke too, and I'm, and I'm always like. It, there, I was like, there was no, like, there was There's nothing, nothing funny. funny. I was just, <laughs> yeah. really, I was like, I was just really good. Yeah. And then I was like, that's actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I do so love the story. I found it like in a way, like I was able to do it to her because I didn't have any conflict with it. Yeah. Like I had no conflict with cheerleading other than being really good at it. Like it's yeah. like, that's like, yeah, I was like, I, I would say to people, I was like, that's like Kobe Bryant going, oh, let me write a joke about being a, one of the best basketball players. Yeah. You know what True. I mean? So like, that's how I saw it as cheerleading. But, but then I had to realize, I was like, well, Chappelle, like you're not someone that people would think would be a cheerleader. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that you were really that's good at it. it, you know, so I broke it down in so many ways to where I made it funny based off of like, well, I'm gonna brag about it the way Kobe Bryant would brag about how yes. good he is. So then I just made it like that. And, and that's what made it like, that's where the funny like came. Plus, but there is st- a serious side, yeah, to it, to where it's like, yeah, it's intense. It's just as intense as like, you know, a, a f- football practice, basketball practice, or any of that shit. Like, there's, it's really, it's really, really, really intense. Yeah. You know? Plus, you did it for a girl. I did. Well, that's the classic. He never got the girl, but he, he got the trophy. Yeah, I did get the trophies for sure. <laughs> that's the classic. And well, my show's called Trophies. Yeah, trophies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's the I- same. If I saw you in the street, I'd be like. I would never think you were a rapper. Yeah. Oh, everyone laughs at me when I say I'm a rapper. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I was like, fuck, this is because you because you actually can rap. So it's not like it's not a gimmick yeah. or nothing. No. You know what I mean? What I love so much about hip hop or like rapping is just like I can be like, yeah, and I'm really fucking good at it because that's like the persona. Hip hop gives me permission to be hypersexual, to be angry and to um talk like talk myself up to say things about myself that i just wouldn't normally say yeah it's like the alt the alter ego of all our alter egos for a mm-hmm. woman because just like you're not allowed those things i mean how much of that online persona is you 
I feel like this it's is me. all you. Yeah, oh, yeah this it's is all me. you. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not always like that. Like, of course. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's not always funny. Yeah, you sit, you sit down. You yeah, know how to sit down and just, yeah, I just want to do this right now. People don't always know. You know, like I get a lot of <laughs> a lot of DMs from people in the industry who are like, I fuck with you. I want to fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's not how it works. You know, like I this is an artistic expression. It's a it's a um, an inflamed version. It's a it's a fully expressed version of one aspect of me that is living in this particular. Um, um, uh, what's the word about? I don't fucking know, but in this thing, in this particular mode of expression, um, but it's not how I sit down to a business meeting talking about like wearing different hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would think for sure. Yeah. But that's another reason why I stayed out of music for so long. I tried when I was doing, um, when I was doing spoken word. I wanted to segue into singing and because I have like a four octave range. I, I'm a coloratura soprano. I can sing, you know, all kinds of shit. So I wanted to make music and I kept meeting these producers who tried to have sex with me or did because I wanted to. But like <laughs> sometimes I didn't, you know, but I thought like it would be confusing because I'd be like, hey, I are you talking to me for my talent or my tits? And not that my tits are that great guys, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the proverbial tits. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, Oh, it's not, maybe I don't have the talent. It's just the, you know, cause it was, mm. it was the gatekeepers were, <clears throat> were dudes. And so I didn't, I didn't have a good gauge of like what my talent really was. Yeah. Um, until pro fat lip, like he's just been such a, an advocate and, we we still talk all the time. I opened for the far side last month yeah. at, um, in Venice and he put me on. He's like, just come down here. I'll fucking put you on. Like, you know, he's, he is my cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah. How was the show? <laughs> when I went in, I was like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. Cause it's all white people in the audience. They're not going to know me. Cause like, <laughs> cause like when I go out and get recognized, it's black people that recognize yeah, me. They've yeah. seen the videos. White people don't know. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. They don't know yet. I'm like, where are the housewives at? I want them to see my shit. So like <laughs> I can start so making money. And so people recognize, my you, yeah. recognize you when you go out. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Fuck. So is this to kind of change your life in a, in a, in a, in a way? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I had that moment. It was November 1st. I had this cheerleading show that didn't, wasn't going anywhere. I don't know why I couldn't sell it well because it's not funny. And um, I got a, an audition. I booked a commercial for a sleep apnea commercial, uh, sleep apnea, which is on right now, which I constantly am getting messages about. And I got an audition for a retirement home commercial. And I was like, okay, this is where I am in Hollywood's brain now. I'm in my 60s because I have gray hair and there's no rules really for women in their 40s and 50s, especially at my level of career because I started at 35. So I yeah. was, I didn't, my fuckable years were used up doing something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> so many fuckable years. <laughs> so now I'm, um, now I'm fucked. <laughs> so November 1st, I said a prayer um, to our Lord and Savior and I was like, God, Please just show me the way. Give me a clear path here because nothing's working. And I went about my day. I didn't say a clear path to what even. I was like, you know me. Like we've had conversations. You know what I want or what's best for me. Not even what I want, what's best. Yeah. 
And then I was doing my laundry and I had this thought. I heard the voice and it was like, you want a clear path. It's right in fucking front of you. God swears at me. Um, and there was this agency that had reached out to me and said, we're going to promote or TikTok will promote your lives. They will help. They will boost your lives. Even though you don't have a thousand followers yet, we'll help you. Um, so we really think your rapping would go, would do well. Cause I had to audition for them for some other thing a year prior. And I was like, I don't want to build another social media platform. I want nothing to do with this exploitation. I'm so sick of the algorithm running my life. Fuck off. But then I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like I, I've, I'm being discarded, um, discarded and discarded. Mm-hmm. And so that night I stomped around all day. And that night at one in the morning, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go live. I don't know. I'm just going to try it. I went on TikTok. I was super nervous to rap because I had had some other experiences, you know, over the course of the fucktangular four years we've been in since whatever. Yeah. And was like, I'm going to leave rap alone for real because I don't want to be hurting anyone. Um, I didn't know, am I appropriating? Like, I felt like I really wanted to explore, learn more to like, what don't I know? You know? Um, So I took some time away and, and, and maybe talked myself out of it. And so I sat down and I was like, okay, people on TikTok, we can either talk about nose chlamydia or I can rap because I found this article about nose chlamydia that says that it causes Alzheimer's. <laughs> it's a real shit called no- nose? Nose chlamydia. You can get chlamydia in your nose and apparently there might oh, be a link oral? to Alzheimer's. How do you do that? I from don't oral. know. Probably from oral getting crazy. Or is it like picking oh, your... Oral, you oral. How are you going to get... Where's, where's your nose? Where's your nose? Oh yeah, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> where's your, well, where's on, your nose, Toby? Well, well, there's one. It, oh, yeah, that's I don't opposite. know. I don't know. You could be picking your nose. Like I'm not really sure. Oh, it was nose picking, nose chlamydia. I had something to do with picking. My bad. Yeah. my bad. So maybe if you grabbing your area and you got the shit, and, and then you put it in your nose. Pick your nose. Oh yeah, if you're masturbating, pick it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe post masturbation, you get the fuck guys. Out I need here. to hand out some pamphlets about this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, that's that's it, it's interesting because I'm hang yeah. on a second. Oh shit, sorry. I oh, like how we're God. trying to figure it out like we're doctors. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> call Huberman. Yeah, yeah. Call. Huberman. I will. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Andrew. <laughs> so then everyone was like, "Rap, rap, rap, rap." Please don't talk about nose chlamydia anymore. And so I started <laughs> rapping, and then I got off <clears throat> after I got off literally, but <laughs> I got off after an hour and a half or two hours, however long I was on there, and twenty thousand people had watched. Wow. Um, yeah. And I was like, whoa. And they sent me money. They sent me gifts while I was on there. And I was like, people are sending me money to rap. And I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. Like, I'm going to just keep doing this. How do they send you money and gifts? How does that work for a listener? So TikTok has gamified their app. So when you're on it and you're watching a live, you can send presents. Like someone can put a hat on my face or sunglasses or earmuffs or they'll send like a lion or a galaxy and this like um, cartoon pops up on the screen. So what I learned very quickly about TikTok Live is that people who are in the live who are commenting and sending gifts want me to see them. Okay. It's not so much about them watching me, but they want to be seen. So them showing gifts is a way for that or sending gifts is a way for them to be like, look at me, mm. um, connect with me, you know, okay. and also to share love and be like, I yeah. love what you're doing. Let me support you because we know that's part of our economy now that we can do that. It's how we support our artists. So, eventually after about like a month I started making 
maybe $50 an hour when I was live. Wow. Yeah. And now it's varying. It's all over the place. But there was a time when I was making 100 an hour um, <laughs> in, in gifts. And then people would also send me Cash App stuff. Or like I have this Discord group of my subscribers. So you can also get subscribed yeah. to. And I give them access to my Discord channel. And these people are my support system. Like when I was sick, they were researching um, how what medical place I could go to in Austin because I'm Canadian. I don't understand the fucking healthcare system. Holy shit. They were helping me like get my prescriptions. They've sent me a meal plan so that I have like dinners. That's incredible. They helped man. me buy like audio equipment that I needed. Wow, man. They send me rent money. Like they're <laughs> really supportive. That is fucking incredible. And for them. Strangers. Strangers. But they've become this community. Yeah, it's a family. Yeah. And it really is like it's a lot of middle aged folks who have these also dreams that they feel like they're not, you know, um, they haven't allowed. And yeah. they're inspired by what I'm doing. And they're being fed by by this show that I'm putting on and being part of this community and supporting each other. Like sometimes I give them assignments. Like I want you to go and try some form of art that you've never tried before. Yeah. Um, and they will, and they'll come back and report and share. It's fucking incredible. I know that you can make money off that. And just like, just people supporting one, almost like donating to like your art. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's a crazy place to be in. Yeah. And all, but all, all the stuff you've done throughout your life, all your hard work and just being in a place where you're actually, I don't know, not not being seen and also also you've been appreciated your whole life, but actually like for your labor of, of stuff, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's just direct to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and that's the incredible. You have part. a manager and stuff for this? No. It's awesome. That that's the thing that's so crazy about what social media has done and TikTok in particular is really um upsetting the game because like the eyeballs that I have a, a show doesn't have those eyeballs. No. Like I've had, I don't know, maybe 25 million views in the past three months on just my videos and then another 5 million people in my lives. And, you know, that's 30 million people. I'll do a show that isn't very busy or like something's happening with the algorithm or whatever. Like you get shadow banned, all, all kinds of shit happens. But you like, do too for swearing and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like it's a... I'll be like, I didn't do very good numbers. I only saw 20,000 people in an hour. Like, that's a big yeah. room full of people. It's fucking huge. It's a stadium. Yeah. So that's why I go out and people are like at the DMV asking for my autograph. Wow. And like pictures. And it's crazy. Isn't that crazy? It's it's crazy. <sighs> it's it's super weird. Because Especially like this later on in your life. Yeah. It's like a rebirth. Yeah. And you got gray hair. Yeah. It's fucking, but it's 100% you. Which is like beautiful. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like this is all you and, and people feel the, uh, you're being authentic. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It and they can Google you and see that you were doing all this other shit in hip hop. Like your whole, it's not like some, I don't know, some, I don't know, it's trying to make money or something. It's just like your passion. Yeah. I'm, I'm not just a, um, a flash in the pan or I'm not just a novelty act. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and that's what's so interesting because I'm a strategizer. Like I've, yeah. I've taught people and helped a lot of people in, the entertainment industry to build business plans for their projects. And I'm always just like with the gonorrhea, I'm always <laughs> like trying to help people 
if I learn something, I immediately want to share it. I'm like that too, man. Yeah. So just with pro- just anything I try products or just even this water, this tea or some protein powder, I get so psyched on it. Yeah, same. I got a bunch of friends running now because I started running. Now my friends are running. Everybody's buying these shoes. Um, <laughs> but ly- Lyrical Intercourse, that was an EP. That was actual. Uh, yeah. Your music and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't release most of it because I got in a disagreement with the producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have unreleased stuff. Yeah. We have ever gonna release it? Um, probably not, but I will take some of the lyrics and reuse them. Some of yeah. them I have released. Crave the the um the video. Yeah, that, Crave video. Yeah. It has all the Vargas. I saw you have all the Vargas mm-hmm. pieces. So I used Vargas as my inspiration and recreated a lot of the imagery in that video. So I'm like I'm a pinup girl. The That's con- my wife stuff, yeah. Yeah. The con the concept of the video is that um, this is where the neon vagina came from too. Are you selling those too? Yes. Wow. I told my wife I want to get one for the house, maybe for this right in here. We kind of sick. it would be super. People would be offended in my kitchen with the neon, what, neon like, vagina. Yes. I mean, it's your world, dog. <laughs> Tell them it's an avocado. So, yeah. So this is your product. Yeah. Tell them it's people, an people, avocado. Yo, people love that shit, right? They love it. Yo, this episode is wild, it. yo. <laughs> this episode is wild. I love this episode. But the, the one line's like, suck your dick and clean your underwear or something. What's that one line? Oh, um. It's so good. Uh, uh, I'll back it up a bit. And then, and um, I feel a love touch. When our ribs crush. No. Anyway, and then your, and then your lips parade along the hoe brigade. How many times you're laid won't erase magical escapades. I feel your love touch. I feel so much. And and when our ribs crush, I get a body blush. Oh no, I'm way too far back. Anyways, if that bitch will suck your dick, then let her wash your underwear. Yeah. Is the line. <laughs> that was my line. I fucking love that line. Yeah. And then also, um, the swag song, is that really a diss to your son? Yeah. What did he say about it? <clears throat> well, it was written for mother, right? Um, for the the show, and I think he was he was not upset about okay. the lyrics, but what he was upset about was when he watched the show. He was like, "It's freaking me out that the kid that's playing me looks so much like mm. me." And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I needed inspiration." What does he think about two things? Does he love hip hop just as much as you? And what's he think about you on social media rhyming? Um, and do people know that's his mom? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he deals with that with his friends. Okay. I'm not sure. So some people know, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> what does he think about me on social media rhyming? He says that he's happy that I'm doing something that makes me happy. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Oh, because he, he's not in high school. He's 30. No, yeah. yeah, he's 30. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 30. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. When he was younger, like, so when I was in, I had him in high school, right? So all the cheerleading shit, he was there. Damn. So the crazy. trauma that I, I caused him was going into his school in the third grade to teach his class a cheerleading routine and then forcing him to be front and center in the motions because his motions were so good because he yeah. motions are the arm movements that we do. Wow. And so his, wait, oh, he was he, he cheered. No, oh, but I it. made him cheer in his class. <laughs> I went in to teach his got class it. like Damn. it's mom day. She's yeah, yeah, coming, yeah. you know, and I was yeah. like, son, you're in the front. So I put him in the front and he was mortified because they had to do it in front of the whole school. And he's like, everyone's making fun of me because And I was like, well, you're good at it. I don't know what to tell you. Damn. Yeah. He has good motions. And does he love hip hop? uh, Same. It's like ingrained. He grew up listening to it. I mean, I took, I took my brother, my brother is 15 years younger than I am. So he's two years older than my son. And I took them both to see the NWA movie. Incredible movie. Incredible. Yeah. And so we were driving back. And I remember my brother saying, um, you introduced me to hip hop. I remember the first hip hop song I ever heard. And I was like, 
what song was it? And he was like, use a hoe. Ho, use a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> I was shit. like, oh my God, what have I done? That's um, fucking funny. Yeah. The first time my son heard the N-word uh-huh. is that he loved Eminem and I bought all these clean versions of every hip-hop record from Amoeba. But for some reason, the Nas Godson record, I didn't have the right one in. Mm. And he heard it several times. And then he asked me about it and I pulled the car over and I had a whole conversation with Max about where it came from, why it's being used now, yeah. all that stuff, and I broke it down to him. Yeah. Um, wow. That was an interesting, and I, I got to tell Nas that when I met him. Interesting. Yeah, he tripped wow. on that. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, aw- yeah. Wow. I had some crazy moments with Nas, yeah. you know that. Whose world um, is this? <laughs> but uh, one thing I like <laughs> is, is, is the true TV late night snack thing. Me and my wife watched it. I'm not here for your entertainment. The guy's whistling at you from across the way. I love that shit. Yeah. My wife was like, fuck yeah. She yeah. loved it. Yeah. So that, um, I was driving by literally Santa Monica Boulevard. I lived at, um, what's the name of the street? <laughs> I want to say Lafayette. Some, whatever. Some whatever. street. By the graveyard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, by uh, the Hollywood Fairmont? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah. too far from there. Um, I want to say Lafayette, but that's not the name of the street. Anyway, I was taking, I took the bus for a long time when I lived in LA. Do I have some stories for you? Oh, I'm sure you? that shit's gnarly. So I took the bus and I was across the street and there was a guy standing at the bus stop on the other side and I went to look at the schedule and then I was like, oh shit, it's not coming for a while. I'm gonna Let me walk to the next bus stop. So I was reading the schedule. The guy, uh, Santa Monica is a pretty, like it's like five, four lanes or whatever. Guy yells from across the street, nice ass. And I ignored him and then I started walking and he said, bitch. And I was like, why does it flip so fast? I know. Why, so fast? why does it flip so fast? And then I was at Cherry Poppin', that party, rest, may it rest in peace, that was happening in Hollywood. Um, and Fatlip was DJing. And I, there were two guys that were both hitting on me. And they were together. And they were hands all over me. And I was just like, if you want to touch somebody, touch each other. And I grabbed their hands and put them together. And then bitch you fucking blah, blah, all over me and i'm like what you wanted to be inside my source it's like a damn. couple of minutes what are you ago. so i could pull up on him and tell him to run this shit you know it's crazy like why do men shit. think that they can whistle or a cat call a woman and she'd be like oh yeah i'm down that's cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah yeah fuck? oh yeah you got me yeah you got as me a, as a man in this world it's embarrassing the way oh, it's, it's men trash. treat women like that like pieces of it's trash it's fucking that's that's the beauty of cheerleading i mm. would say for me is that like you know, because there was times I was the only dude on the team, like growing yeah, up. You yeah. know, and You're the protector. It, well, it wasn't even like as much as like protection, as much as like, mm. you know, I I was around women in a different way that most dudes aren't. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because you got to think most dudes are around dudes a lot of times, and True. you know, with the sports that they do, you know, even with music sometimes, you know. But like for yeah. me with cheerleading, like I was around women in a way to where it was like. You know, like almost like oh, these, these, like like sisters, sisters. these are yeah. friends. You know, yeah, like yeah. you know, I was at at, at slumber parties or whatever, yeah. and it was like, and and it made me like draw back in a way. Not not saying I was ever like aggressive to women ever. You know, like as I joined cheer for a girl, but I was like a hopeless romantic. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean? like, oh, I'm yeah. trying to fall in love. You know, yeah. let's get married. But uh, <laughs> you know, just seeing that and just like <laughs> hearing conversations of like. The way they thought of things and, you know, just it was just it just showed me a side that made me for whenever I saw dudes react the way that they did. Like all my like some of my friends would be like, yo, you hook up with this girl, you hook up with this mm. girl. And it's like, mm. it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Like, why has it got to mm-hmm. be that? Mm. Like, why can't I just like like mm. I get it. She's extremely hot. 
Mm-hmm. But like, why can't I just be her friend? Mm-hmm. Like, is that weird? You know what I mean? Like, like I got a lot of women friends. A lot man. of times, like some of the girls I cheer with, I was like, she's gorgeous as fuck, but I hate her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate her with a passion. You yeah. know, like I, I know too much about her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That- you know what I mean? Like, and and people don't understand that. You know, because they just see, you know, they see like the the beauty. You know, these girls. And I cheered with gorgeous, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stunners. Gorgeous. Stun- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Number and one so, stunners. And just sitting there like, yeah, I was like, no, I hate I, I hate her. Yeah, <laughs> it goes away. Like, I love her, but I hate her, you know, yeah. in, in that sense. So that's inspired by a real life situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then funnily enough, after it came out a couple years later, I was walking across Melrose and Fairfax. You'd be in the streets, girl. In the streets. I know. Walking everywhere. I love it. We'd gone. I know. I think it's Toronto or New York or something. I was like, why is it taking so long um, (laughs) to get anywhere? Um, And we were going to my car and this guy walked across the street and he was like in a suit, you know, um, maybe coming from the work or something. And he started following us and he said, come to the bar. Why don't you guys come to the bar? And my friend that I was with, Evangeline, she's from the Bay Area. She's American. You know, she grew up here and I had been going through this whole thing a block before where I was like, I am Betty Davis. Okay. Betty Davis walked into a room and she wasn't like worried about what anyone thought of her. She was like, I'm fucking Betty Davis. Okay. Like, where's my cigarette? Where's my chair? True. So I was like walking, like I'm Betty Davis, you know, trying to embody that. And Evangeline sees this guy following us and she like kind of covers her head and walks away to the side and is like, we're going home, you know, leave us alone stop engaging he comes over to me and i'm like betty davis yeah and he gets close to me and i said you're in my safety circle and he said what and i said you're in my safety circle (laughs) and he spit in my face spit in my face and ran away and when he spit i screamed like "Ah," raging scream so disrespectful and my first thought was like is that all you got that's all you got is spit come mm. back here like i was just so mad and it was after i had done that show that Fuck. show and i because i was thinking oh maybe you know maybe that song didn't resonate maybe that piece didn't resonate because we're past that now but then when the man spit in my face i was like no 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 we're way. not we're not that's fucking horrible man yeah then he ran away he ran away where are you at now? Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you run your shit, homie. Where you at? <laughs> it's crazy shit women have to deal with on a daily basis, man. Well, that's that's what I'm saying with cheerleading. Like Fuck. that, I would hear a lot of like Every these stories, day. and you're like, oh god, that's oh god. Yeah. Okay. And know? I kind of thought when I stopped dyeing my hair that it would go away, but it hasn't. It's it's different now. I mean, now there's social media too. Like when I, you know, I rap about. I rap about sex a lot because mm-hmm. I have a lot of trauma around it. I'm working my shit out. That's what we do with art. It's art. It's I'm working my shit out. But people don't know that if they're not also doing the same. So mm. I got so many pictures of people's penises, videos of people swinging their penises around some with like towels on them, which I thought was kind of creative to like show me how large they were. Um, Wait, but I it, don't get it. What? People, like towel. So they have an erection and they put a towel over it to show like. It's hanging up off this. there. Oh, God <laughs> You never respond to these people, Yo, do you? No, 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 no. That shit's gnarly. No, dude. it was. And at first, I didn't know. Like, I'd never really gotten, like, random pics from people I didn't know. Who does that? There were hundreds think, of them. But who thinks, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to send that, and and she's going to go for it. Well, like, it's yeah. illegal now, actually. As be. of May 1st, you can find people 
they can get fined up to fifteen hundred dollars. Good. Dick, dick Prince and Fondue. Who's Good. Dick Prince and Fondue? Well, they it's are? from their Instagram. It's from their account. Yeah, like they can just track well, like them. Crazy sketchy accounts. Good. And shit. Yeah. Good. Perfect. Fuck these people. Yeah. Bro. I was like, maybe that's how I'll pay my rent. I'll just like go back and track Keep them. Keep finding these motherfuckers. Why do people think they can send that shit? And that our girl is gonna be like, click. Her, oh my god, yeah. What's your phone number? You gotta realize they're they're behind something Jesus that like Christ. somewhat protects their identity in a not some sort of way, but not you know, yeah. not anymore. But I did have a couple people apologize to me. I put out some various like videos that's, and that's things nice. and posted some things. I would post things that were in my DMs like to show people what's happening. That's a rap report does shame game. Yeah, and I and people would people said you know what I'm I one was like I apologize. This is a dick pic guy. Yeah. Oh wow! I've had I think three apologize, which I'm like okay, that's worth it. That's worth it. Wow, man. We we don't need to get everybody onto the side of peace and love and respect. We just need critical mass. Mm. So we have to keep doing that work till we get to critical mass. Can I ask you something? Because I thought something was interesting. Like you know, um, and I guess I've just heard this from time to time with women. You know, it, as far as like uh, got real serious. E- even man. with some of the guests like you've had on your podcast, yes. Just, some of the women I've talked to before, just like, you know, in, in cheerleading and you were talking about like sex and having like trauma yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wonder if that's, I, I don't know if it's a question or just like, just out of curiosity, if anyone, you know, like thinks that's, that's the thing for like uh, a male as well, as well. Like they, they could have trauma yes. around sex, like in meaning for sure. like they're doing, you know, you know, like going out and just like, yes. Yeah. I think, my theories, definitely not Huberman, uh, but my theories around trauma are that it, it you get stuck in a moment, and so you see that moment relive itself when the trauma is re-triggered. Mm-hmm. So let's, like, for example, take people who get famous when they're young. Sometimes they don't, like Michael Jackson. It's like he never really grew out of that age when he was first sort of traumatized by the fame and was kind of perpetually stuck in this childhood moment for me I am a 15 year old wannabe cheerleader because that was like around the time that I had my son having I was 17 but like having my son was traumatic Mm -hmm. it's not because you know it's traumatic to have children but at 17 living on my own trying to figure it out with like on social assistance was traumatic it was really hard and like i you know i would go to the grocery store the first of the month and buy every baby food jar they had because i didn't know how to cook and just like give him the baby Mm -hmm. food and buy as much as like my check would buy so i wouldn't run out of baby food by the end of the month like it was awful wow and i was in high school you know and the cheerleader but i'm like how my mom yeah so Yes, absolutely. For men too, mm-hmm. I think it, men aren't allowed to talk about sexual trauma, yeah, but it expresses in yeah. the dick pics, like yeah, those. That, that, yeah, and that's where I was. That's where I was Great going because, you know, when when you hear like the the people like guys that like, you know, brag about like how many girls they like that sounds more traumatic to me than like uh, yeah. uh, a, a winning type of thing. Yeah, sure. You know, which is interesting because like you know I've just never been. One of those, one of those guys that's Same. been like a hound for for that. It's you know, like I'm like I always just felt like there's more to life and there's more to a person. Mm-hmm. And Same. I think I want a you know, yeah, there's mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And so when I, you know, you hear those stories of like, yeah, because it's common in, in the male world to be like, you know, just you know, get with as many chicks or whatever, blah 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 blah. 
but but like for, but for they're me, not whores. Women are whores. Exactly. Right. So, so, the same so, shit. so and yeah. with that type of thought process, like that seems like that seems like trauma. It's dark. It sounds dark. Sure. Yeah, they're you know, sexualized. There's no, there's no light. Too early. To to that. There's it. It sounds mm. very dark. Yeah, I was sexualized too early. Most women are sexualized too early before we understand for sure what it means to own that component of yourself yeah. it's like not talked about it's something you do in private and there's no like real language around it it's just your body is in charge so you don't know how to you know and so i think with a lot of those men they feel like their value lies in their sexuality the same yeah. way women do are trained but it ex- expresses differently but what you're seeing like with women in hip-hop now the hypersexualization. I think is a trauma response to hip hop mm-hmm. to mm. the hypersexualization and the hypermisogyny. It's like, I feel like Jay-Z when he did four on SNL, I was at a birthday party and I started crying. I love that record. I was like, I feel like hip hop just apologized to me. Mm. It was the first time I'd ever heard the song. And I r- realized, you know, listening to like Big Daddy Kane, you know, anything goes when it comes to hoes because pimping ain't easy. It was like, that was like, <laughs> you know, that was my, I loved Big Daddy Kane. Yeah, he He's said. a huge influence mm-hmm. in me, but also how do you, how do you correlate that in your brain? Mm-hmm. That it's like th- this music I relate to so much, but it hates me. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there, There's a common lyric in that light. I never call you my bitch or even my boo. There's so much mm. uh, in your name is so much more in you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, I thought that was dope. Mm-hmm. Like when I heard that line, like I was like, yo, that's fire. But why is that unusual? Like what, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's things are sort of changing, but not, For sure. but it's also just, a, it's just our society, like men and women and, you know, speaking across the binary, it's not just men and women. Like we're all at, at war there's like a, 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 a this feeling of, of of a loss of power yeah that's manifesting in this sexual dynamic because it's the it's a place we feel we have personal power that's not related necessarily to money or mm. whatever it's like yeah i might not have any money but i got good dick i you know you want to hypersexualize me let me hypersexualize myself first so i have some modicum of control over what is coming at me and that's my my response is like oh you want to fucking talk about my pussy let's really talk about my pussy mm-hmm. how yeah. much do you want to know about my pussy let yeah. me talk. you know like like that guy ask you know nice ass oh you want it you want my fucking ass what if i walked over and was like here have it yeah come on yeah <laughs> you can't handle this shit goodbye yeah, like yeah 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 you know, he doesn't, <laughs> it's not even about that, but it is, it is like we are relating our sense of self-worth to our sexuality. And I, I am still working that out. I need validation sexually. Like it's a, it's not a problem. I mean, it's a problem. Is it a problem? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I would talk to my therapist about it. <laughs> um, but it's, ex- but I have music to express it. Yeah. In. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to go and have a lot of partners anymore. To me, sex now is about, um, is about getting closer to God. It's like two people come together. <laughs> two people <laughs> come together. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> to to um deepen their deepen their communication. Yeah, and m- now we don't have communication 
on a deep enough level for the most part in relationships. So sex takes the place of communication. Yeah. And this is how it gets all fucked up because you're trying to speak with your body things that you can't say with your mouth. It's really true, man. Yeah. And that's what fucks up a lot of relationships too. They're based on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Me and my wife dated for so long before we even had sex. You know, we just best friends for so long. We would like. How long? couple of years we were like best friends and just hanging you know what i mean like and then we we'd mess around here and there but like we waited like we wanted to make it real because we were like i don't know i mean we did it in rome it was like beautiful wow like we waited but that's that's you that's beautiful. That's, that's what's yeah. up though like that i yeah. mean it makes it yeah. that much better like why like and like why not like why, why does rush? it have to be like why does that have to be the thing like oh I, like i find you attractive you find me attractive but that's cool but like let's understand why you know let's yeah. let's make it more than like Mm-hmm. A sexual thing like that, that's the plus, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, why can't we just base it off like this, like organic? Like we haven't touched each other yet, but like I feel it mm-hmm. exactly. Now, I feel now, like now, that's why we're now married. Let me get to know you <laughs> mm-hmm. and make sure you're not crazy. I feel like that's why we're married for you know twenty-seven what I'm saying? years. Like, <laughs> twenty-seven years this year. Like yeah. we're best friends first, partners, best friends, lovers, just everything. You know what I mean? We're like we're like a team. I'm very lucky because I've been traveling in a band for 26 years. And even when I was a roadie, like the bands I with, they like, come on, go get, go after that girl. I'm like, nah, they, everybody doing one night stand. That was never my shit, man. Mm. I didn't want that. I don't know. Maybe yeah. my hopeless romantic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You got a pound waiting for you. There. Oh, yeah. Love you, bro. <laughs> you hopeless, <laughs> hopeless romantic? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a line in a play. I don't remember who the author is because I can't remember anything except for rap lyrics, apparently. Um, but it's like romance is for men. Women can't afford to be romantic, hmm. which I think is kind of true. Like I, you think about the songs women write about love versus the songs men write about love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, depends what men you're talking about. It's like, yeah, but I, but I think, I think, I think for women, it's kind of already like organically there. Yeah. Right? Well, would in you, the divine, you, I, mean, I mean, in the divine feminine, a woman is the receiver. And mm. the man is the presenter. So that is fundamentally what I think romance could be about. And when I'm saying that, you know, on the spectrum, it's like whoever is in the feminine or in the masculine, you come together, whether you're man or male or female. And actually what happens for men when they get with a woman or a masculine energy with a female a feminine energy is that the masculine energy that's mostly presenting to the world as masculine feels safer to open up their feminine side and the feminine energy in the presence of the masculine energy feels safe enough to open up the part of them that is masculine so that they can you know take turns um, expressing those different parts of themselves in the, the yin and the yang right mm. um so in the in the divine feminine um it's about it's about receiving which is the idea of the romance between you know that we talk about yeah conventionally but it's become eh, selling flowers and whatever and like shooting videos on Instagram of your love yeah um but in in reality it's actually about balance between the two i think 100%. holding space i have yeah. a question how long did you la- stay with the guy you had the baby with six months wow yeah and how are you how are you surviving i guess off the government you're saying you're oh i guess actually it was a year from the time we started dating so so it was around a year wow. and i fell in love with someone else 
that was part of it and also um that i was with for seven years after that okay that's nice okay yeah and uh, his dad was um we were so young you know so young so young and he we just you realize we're not we don't want the same things i was like uh, he was in college and you know i just i we wanted different things it was like suddenly like oh life yeah not just like rope chain three finger ring this dj is real shit, man. this is real shit and we're not in the same time zone like i'm going to university i'm doing a bye like i got to prove my mother wrong i got shit to do yeah um, yeah so it was it was, I think, hard looking back on him. I don't think he saw it coming. And I think that that was a source of conflict for us for many he years. He could have trauma from that, too. Yeah. You know, trauma from having a kid. That, you know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Stuff yeah. like that. Definitely. And he really stepped up when turn, when my son turned 15. <laughs> four beats, Joe. I know. When my son turned 15, uh, he moved in with his dad. Oh, that's cool. It was beautiful. That and was I awesome. I read this book called The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver at one point when my son was young. I think he was about three or four. And in the book, it's about a family that goes to Africa and they are um, missionaries. And it doesn't end well for this family. It's a mother and three daughters, let's just say. It doesn't end well. And the father is the missionary. And the, the chapters are each told through... Um, the uh, voice of each of the women. So at the end of the book, the mother says something about her husband. They split up and she says, every time I throw a stone at him, it goes right through him and hits my children. Ooh. And as a child of mm. divorce, that really resonated with me. Wow. And so, so my son was three Five beeps. Five beeps. and I was like, I don't want to do that to him. Yeah. So I was very careful, even though we had a tempestuous relationship, never to say anything about his father. It's awesome. Because your parents are the window through which you see the world. Yeah. It does not matter if they get along. It's like, if if you're telling me bad things about my father, I'm going to have trouble with the masculine aspect of myself. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me bad things about my mother, I'm going to have trouble with the feminine aspect of myself expressing that. So I wanted to keep that open for him. So by the time his dad was ready to really show up, the door was open. It's awesome. And they, he was like, I want to go live with him. And I was obviously devastated, but I, I thought, you know, I, I made the decision to have him, which I didn't really talk about, but I was four months pregnant when I discovered that uh, I was pregnant. So I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. And the doctor that I saw didn't give me a choice. So again, my body autonomy was taken away cause I just wasn't, it was never discussed with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought, you know, I made that decision to bring him into the world and he didn't ask for that. And now he's dealing with the consequences of being raised by a 17 year old on my own for this many years. And now he has this opportunity to go and live with his father and be surrounded by his father's family who are quite close. And I want to make a decision that's not about me and what I think I can do or handle. I want to make a decision that is best for him. And it was really, really amazing for him. And, you know, we lived far away and I, it, our relationship isn't as close as, as I would like it to be because of the physical distance, you know, yeah. but I needed at that point to have the life that I didn't have because I was raising a child. Yeah. So I did the, th it must've been so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And also I believe that, you know, 
we don't raise children for them to be dependent on us. True. Like, like it's like me saying, I want to be able, I want to, I want my kids to know they're there for me whenever they need me. Well, actually like I do, but I also want them to not need me. Mm-hmm. I want him to be autonomous and make his own decisions yeah. and feel like a whole human being and not still like Attached. suckling, you know? Yeah. I want him to be his own man. And he is, he doesn't, you know, I'm like, why don't you call me? <laughs> don't you think about me? He's like, not really. I don't really think about you, but I love you. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, like I'm just not in his day to day. How's my mom doing? I should check on her. I don't want him to be worrying about me and having to yeah. check on me. Yeah. You know, like love me, think of me, send me a text, call me would be really super cool. But like, <laughs> eventually we'll get there. Yeah. You know? He's in Canada still. Yeah. And he's thirty. Yeah. Wow. So crazy, man. Yeah. Fuck. I just had all my all my um tests done to see if I how much longer I have to have babies if I'm still fertile, just in case. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was in a relationship that ended last night. But I'm so sorry about that. It's fine. Everything's fine. So you're single on this podcast right now. <laughs> For the listeners, you're single right now. Yeah, don't send me a fucking dick pic though. Yeah, don't, don't Janet do Jackson had a baby at fifty. I know. She did. Yeah. You can send me a vagina pic though. I think I might switch oh teams. My God. Um, so let's get into a couple of things real quick. Um, do you have a top five? Top five, hard, top five, top five. Is it hard for you? Yeah. And, really and I watched that doing it well freestyle he did with Mike Rapp split screen. It was fucking. He was like, it was so awesome to watch that. It was funny. <laughs> I was that that night. I had done a five hour set. Fuck. So he was getting me like I don't even know where that video. He he saw the video I posted and but like I was in I was like out of my mind. Were you nervous? No. Yeah. I mean no. I'm just I'm on another planet. It's like I'm channeling some shit. It doesn't. I don't even. No, it's not like I am channeling <laughs> some shit. Because How did it happen with Mike Rapp? He just DM'd you or something? No, he posted it. Like so the way he posted it, it the yeah. way it works is like you post a video and then somebody does a split screen and just okay. posts it and then I think somebody oh he tagged me in it or something. Damn. And I and so I saw it and I was like oh my god what is he going to think of this? <laughs> so I was scared to press play. Actually, I think I made somebody else. I made somebody else watch it. Wow. Who did I send it to? It might have been Fat Lip. Were you tripping on Mike? You knew who Mike was, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, is he going to be screaming at me? Like, is he going to nah, be like, stop no. immediately? Appreciate you. Yeah, he was, he was, and somebody was like, he fucks with it. He's laughing. And I was like, okay, I got to go watch. <laughs> 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 no. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Has there been other rappers reach out to you? Like people that you grew up listening to or people that reached out you like shocked surprised hopefully not a dick pic dm but like no. a 50 cent commented on my one of my videos who somebody reposted the jay-z um you don't know oh he did cover he did. yes i saw that yeah he commented and said that's real hip-hop wow yeah, i saw that that's fucking dope man SZA liked one of my videos Anderson Pock started following me. I saw you post the other day. Yeah. You screenshot. That was and why cute. Why do I call him Pock? I don't know. Anderson that Pock. was cute. Anderson Pock. That Pock. was cute. Well, there's two A's. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, I mean, Just Blaze. Just Blaze. Just Blaze. Not impressed. He was not happy. Um, Whatever. Um, it's all good, Just Blaze. It doesn't matter. 50 Cent comment doesn't fucking matter. I know, right? Everything you said, that's like a 50 out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That's so sick. Chuck D um, DM'd me way long ago, like when I first released my very first video, because he has a radio station called She Movement, and it's been supporting female MCs. Shout out to She Movement. They have been behind me since and fucking like, Chuck 2015. D. 
One of the greatest lyricists of fucking all time. Yes. Dude. So he DM'd me and Ooh. I was like sitting at some acting audition beside a woman I didn't know. And it's all he did was send me the link to she movement. And I was like, I, I smacked this woman in the arm and I said, <laughs> Chuck D just DM'd me on Twitter. And she's like, what's a Chuck D? What's exactly. a DM? Yeah. Why are you hitting me? <laughs> like, what is happening? But I was like, it means he knows I exist it's and he's okay dope. with it. Like, oh my God. That's so So cool. that was like way long ago. Um, and then um, someone else was really mad. Was it Eric Sermon? Eric Sermon? EPMD? Was it Eric Sermon? Because you did something to EPMD. No, it wasn't Eric Sermon. It was... Um, I think he'd appreciate it. I forget. That's so cool, I Eric Sermon. I forget. It's because I'm tired. I slept like three hours last night. I'm sorry. But anyway, it was like rude. There's been some rudeness and there's been some love. But I think what's crazy is that everyone's seen it. I think yeah. that's the thing. Like one yeah. or of the other or the other. I immediately videos. hit you up. I was like, yo, come on my podcast. Uh-huh. Like I was so fucking psyched. I'm grateful. It's so Because psyched. most people are just like... What did I watch? And that can't be real or serious or whatever. It's like, I feel like I'm just a clown who wants to be taken seriously. Mm. Like there's joy and laughter and humor in my work. And also I rap. Like I fucking rap. rap. Yeah. Yeah. Take me seriously. And I love it. I love having you because there's more than you than just that. Like your story and your come up and your grind and everything. It's fucking awesome. And it's like. It just makes me happy to just, I don't know, just meet people like you and just see you on there, but then also get the history of you. It's awesome, man. It's an amazing you. journey. Mm-hmm. What's right. next What's next for you after the fucking, just the online stuff? Like, I know you have the show in May in, in Philly. Yeah. Is this like your first headlining show in a while? Or? Yeah, in a while. Yeah. And, uh, and <sighs> set Are you nervous? Up, I set it up in Philly because I was going to go with the man to the um to an event in philly that weekend so mm. now i don't i don't know what, what venue is it it's called kung fu necktie okay it's a small spot it's like 150 people you got that yeah 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 and i'm stoked like i have a lot of material i have two full albums worth of material plus all these freestyles plus stuff i've been writing like it's gonna be a really great show and my crowd control skills are crazy and I'm gonna talk about inappropriate things and make people scream clitoris and hold their vaginas up in the air and like it's gonna be a good night. The, I love ne- the, the neon vagina. Well, no, I do the rock sign, but it's actually a vagina. R O C V A G V A G It's Yo, a vagina. Look at it. it. It's I a know. vagina. Come on, what's happening? Wow. Yep. My badge is the truth. I got your um, <laughs> I'd like to have you open up for my band sometime at a punk show. I would love that. That'd be fucking sick. Could I open up? I mean, I would. I could open, but also give me a punk band to like rhyme over some punk shit. Like mm. maybe Ma- maybe Max could throw down a little beef. My son's an ill drummer. Max, yeah. Max really? and Adam. Oh yeah, they're drum and bass. You know, in my band. Yeah, I'm gonna think about that for like a show. That'd be so I'm ready. fun. I know. I, lo- I love having like different types of artists when we play. You know, I, and I adjust the set. Like when I did when I opened for the Far Side, I did. Um, Herbie Hancock mashup with um, public service announcement. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's one of my favorite Jay Z songs off that record, bro. Isn't it? Same. So good. Oh. I listen to it over and over. I and can over play it on again. the keys. Oh, you played the keyboard? Really? Yeah, yeah, he played it for me. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Where were we at? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played it for him recently. Yeah. I used to break dance to So Herbie I did Hancock. it over, yeah, over Herbie Hancock track because in the Far Side show, they take. They show the samples for all of the songs that Dope. are on their first album it's and cool. where they got their rec- like where they got the sample from, and so it's like in 
in that language. So I customize my show for whatever, wherever I am and whatever the audience is. I love that. I can't wait to see footage from that show. Mm-hmm. Maybe LA show soon, maybe? I hope so. I'm, I'm ready. It's just like every, no one, no one takes me seriously. <laughs> like, Bruh. The, I took you seriously. The industry is just like, the I don't H2O's know what to do with this. The LA show would be fucking sick with your band Mad Peaceful. With, with, with Mayhem on the, on the motherfucking mic. Dude. <laughs> um, the crowd goes insane. Yeah. Like, give me three seconds and they're going to be losing their minds. Dog. Especially the women. They're just like, what? I love this. What was your last real job you like clocked into? Um, well, because of my visa, I am not allowed to have... Oh yeah, my bad. Non jobs here. Okay. But I, I ran a PR company and I worked for a PR company in Canada. Okay. What year would that be? Mm, I think it was like one time when I was home. I don't know what year is it. Twenty twenty three. I don't know. Like in the last five six years. Yeah. Do you have any uh, major regrets in your life? Not selling to Jamfest. Mmm. Mm. Not selling my cheerleading company when I had when I was offered. Fuck. Yeah, really regret it's that. It's a major regret. Big time. Big, huge, huge mistake. Huge. Fuck. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing she does. It's fine. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you optimist or pessimist? Optimist. <laughs> Cri- cripplingly. Uh, I, f- I feel that. Optimistic. After that, de- after that deep knowledge she was dropping, you I, I know. Yeah. Your whole life you've been like that? Yeah. Always right. believed in yourself. Yeah, well, my parents, my parents were kind of not good at most things, but they were just like, you know, honey, you can be anything you want. I You're that, amazing. Though. You're a star child. And you did. And you're doing it. I'm doing it. And your mom's still around, obviously. Yeah. She's got to be so proud. Yeah. She's. She's tri- she trip on your videos and you rhyming and shit. Loves, she loves it. <laughs> Her favorite saying is off the chain. Let's <laughs> go, ma. So funny. Off the chain. That's All right. So chain. what is your top five? And, give me t- and you're five years sober, right? Yes. Congrats. Thank you. He's yeah. eight years sober. Correct. No. What? Sorry, nine. You don't know me. I thought I, I thought you adopted me. I did. Sorry, <laughs> How many years sober? Nine. Okay, bet. So five years. Five years. So what is your what is your thing? You do coffee? Like what's your go to? Anything? What's my vice? Yeah. Art. Okay. Mm. But no, like yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I. You don't do anything. Uh uh-uh. I don't know why. I think I I think that's my vice is probably um, deprivation. Mm. Yeah, that's not good. I d- I have an eating disorder. That's okay. part of why I was like, can you please feed me? <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's because you're sad too. But also because yeah. I didn't eat and didn't organize, you know. But it's the preparation of the food. It's taking those steps to care for myself and prepare food that I struggle with. Mm. Eating is fine. I can put things in my mouth and eat them, and it's not about trying to be skinny or my uh, an image with my bo- body issue it's about those experience i talked about earlier where my body autonomy was taken away from me by yes. the medical community by mm-hmm. sexual experiences and so it's a way to feel like i have control over my body i didn't realize that and i still it's not like consciously like i'm not going to eat because i want to control things yeah it's just like a subconscious behavior that i have developed in order when i feel out of control wow yeah so what's your daily ritual well, I get up in the morning. I do God first. Um, I mate with him. Uh, <laughs> either A Course in Miracles or um, Marianne Williamson, like meditation. Nice. There's this other guy I like, Muji. He's on YouTube. I um, do his meditations also. And then I do morning pages. 
and I've been doing those for like journaling multiple years. Yeah. He does it every day too. Yeah. yeah, three pages. Um, and like so many songs come out there, so many ideas. It's sometimes it's awful, but um, for the most part, I absolutely need it to get into flow. I have um, my Earl Grey tea and avocado. Nice, because it looks like a vagina. <laughs> uh, with like crackers and little um, lime and stuff. No coffee person. Nope. Just my tea. Or and then I get into it. I get into like whatever. The, I might exercise. I don't exercise every day, but it's either yoga or Pilates. Nice. And I try to get outside and get the sunlight. So I might throw on a load of laundry because my Vitamin laundry's D. outside. Yeah. Angie Huberman says exactly. so. Exactly. Within an hour, you got to get the eye. The she knows. And, and caffeine 90 minutes after you wake up, uh, according to him. Oh, yeah. I'm about there. Yeah. Right. After I meditate and exercise. So what's your top five? <laughs> Always back to that question. Lauren Hill. Woo. Let's go. Jay-Z. Let's go. Listen, don't judge me, but right now I'm listening to a lot of Drake. Yeah, I fair. fuck with you. That's fair. Dude, we fuck with Drake hard. And the new one with 21 Savage, that record? Yeah. We're going to go yeah. see him play. He's coming out here, too. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What's the fair. song? Back outside, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's our shit, dude. <laughs> no, okay, good. I'm in good we love, And he's from Toronto. represent Toronto. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Big Daddy Kane's back on my list. Even though Jay-Z is also there. I used, to, I used to say they canceled each other out because I felt like Jay's flow was... Um, not derivative, but like derived from Big mm -hmm. Daddy Kane. So it was like he was a builder. Yeah. Um, and then also, let's put Chuck D on there for now. Fuck yeah, Chuck yeah. D. Yeah. Fuck yes, Chuck D. Did you know that Chuck D studied sportscasters in order to develop his like um, melodic? No. Like, once again, back is the, the incredible, incredible. rhyme animal, the uncannibal, the, the public, public enemy, enemy Oh, the up one. and down the flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, It's like, and he shoots, he scores, he does it better. Mm -hmm. I read that somewhere. I fucking not know that. Yep. Good? Okay, bet. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, though, man. Yeah, I'm into it. This I, is so I cool. I don't want to leave and go think about my failed relationship. <laughs> it's so cool, like, to have you here and just... And just not as humanize you because you're on the on social media, but here you're in person and like it's getting deep with you. You know, it's awesome. Thank you. It's really nice. Yeah, it's I really talking to appreciate you. it. I'm gonna check my more notes about you. Okay. See what else I have on you. We're about to get in the sauna, man. You can join us if you want. We do about the sauna. Oh yeah, and I brought my bathing suit. And our friend's coming to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna trip out. Um, yeah, you did some stuff. I like the Chris, the Chris Isaac, uh, Wicked Boy Pony thing you did mm. was great. Mm -hmm. Kum, obviously, Kumo D, Biggie, Big Pun. Well, those um, mashups that I've been doing are on the spot, so they yeah. they will um, put in a request. They'll give me something that's doesn't seem to fit, and then I'll listen to the beat, and then I'll do whatever it is that seems to fit with it over top. Like so I, cool. I had for like a hot minute, I had a band called the Disco Mafia. <laughs> And we did mashups and it was like, we, we did, um, Jimi Hendrix with LL. Sick. Um, I mean, Jimi Hendrix is, I, I, I've been working on Renegade over LA woman mm. for a long time because LA woman speeds up really massively at the end. Mm hmm. Um, so Renegade, you know, is a tough song. So it's I'll like song, in yeah. that last verse of Eminem's just like ride it as it's speeding up. And um, I love um, there's a there's a verse I have where I wax poetic when rock and pop meet hip hop. The drum beat meets my frequency nicely. I might be the Messiah who jiggles her vagina like Miley Cyrus in a gospel choir. I aspire to be the milf that keeps packing them in. But it's like. 
and the actually the first verse of that song is I rap like Janis Joplin when she was high on the music. Mm. It's like there's something in that bluesy, mm-hmm. you know, where when the blues and rock formed to yes. me is like what I feel about hip hop and the way I want to express. It's like punk and hip hop in a sense. Yes. And that's our era. It's like punk and hip hop came of age in a similar time period, you know. We into punk rock too? Mm, a little bit like sort of kind of like to be cool with my friends but I didn't really understand it like I think sort of sex pistols and like you know (laughs) that kind of stuff but hormones yeah not not I got scared of the screaming it's scary Mm. and also with hip-hop it took me so long to make my own music because I kept saying everyone's like why don't you make your own shit and I was like I'm not mad enough like Mm. now I am yeah but I wasn't angry enough for a long time I didn't feel I felt like I needed that, but I think I was just scared. Is your name really named after uh, Mandy by Barry Manilow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. Oh. And your great-grandma was named May? Yeah. Yeah. What? Where did you find that? <clears throat> I don't know. I'm a deep diver. Stop it. Lace dog. That's like that, that Nardwar like shit. Like that Nardwar shit, Yeah, son. yeah. Nardwar. He's Canadian. Yeah, he's yep. fucking, he's sick. Yeah. So yeah, Barry Manilow, nice. You have to do a Barry Manilow mashup or something. God, <laughs> Did you know that that song was about his dog, supposedly? Did not know that. Yeah. He's 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 legit, Song Mandy? Yeah. Mm. About his dog? Yeah. Oh. Well, you came and gave without taking? I mean, yeah. who does that? You came and you gave without taking. A dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mandy. Yeah. Mandy. Oh, I'm man. checking my notes here. We crushed all my fucking notes. I'm so professional. Hi. I'm so fucking psyched. And now we're going to sauna. We're going to put it in the cold plunge. Who that? You get in the cold Yeah, my son Max right there. Max, oh, say what up to Mandy, Max. Hi, Mandy. Hi, my Max. My son Max. We talked about you on here. Um, I did a cold plunge in Finland. Oh, that's legit. In the Arctic Ocean. That's legit. I went into the, their sauna. They say call it sauna. A sauna. Did you turn the sauna on for us, Max, too? That'd be great. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> And you then, get into Finland. That's where it's and then OG. Went into, yeah. the o- into the Arctic Ocean. So you, it's tight. You can't jump in because you'll have a heart attack. Yeah. You have to like go in slowly. Yeah. Um, it was, but what the best part of it is when you get out of the cold and you're walking around in the Arctic in the snow and you're warm. It was beautiful. Fuck. So what, what, co- what's the temperature? I don't know. You so this cold plunge below gonna be zero. Sh- it's gonna be shit to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I'll feel it. I'm, no, I'm sorry. Well, I guess you're in, in the water below zero. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, My sauna goes to 250. It's sick. That's amazing. It's all I, the rage. I can't believe you have it. Like, I always want to go into saunas. Sauna. Um, well, shout out to Andrew Huberman. He got me my plunge as a gift. Aww, sweetheart. sweetie. Um, we're going to do that shit now. But people can find you on social media, obviously. You have a website, too? Yeah. You got merchandise on there, too? Yep. Okay. Max, I might get this fluorescent vagina for the kitchen. It's pink. Neon. Yeah, it's a neon for the... Oh, it looks like an avocado. Oh, it's, it's kinda, so mama good. Loves, mama loves avocados. You have an avocado tree. Yeah. It'll go good in the kitchen, right? It'd be yeah, cool yeah. for the podcast, too. Perfect for your kitchen. <laughs> I bet my wife will want But one. listen, when I turn it on, everyone gets turned on, so you need to be prepared for that. Damn. It comes on in here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about your boyfriend breakup. Now you're single. Yep. And uh, single and you're on the, on the social media. Do but not DM her dick pics or anything like that anymore. It's fucking childish and stupid. And she's not even going to fucking look at you or give you the time of her day. And the fact that men do that is disgusting. Right, Chappelle? Yeah. What are you showing? Get out of here. What? You can't talk in my pocket. Don't talk in my pocket. Talk in the microphone. Want to say something? Talk in the microphone. You have a question for her? Talk in the microphone. Well, thank you for being here. This is awesome. Yeah, thank this you. Was for, a great thank you for this coming to meeting me on social media. This coming yeah. to my house and doing this shit and fucking. 
Now I feel like we're friends. We know each other. It's awesome. Well, I put my hand on my heart. That means I feel you. Real, recognize real, and you're looking familiar. Yeah. That's a great way to end it. Great way Fuck. To end it. In the words of the great Jasimus Zizimus. <laughs> I have a Jay Z tattoo. You do? I got the hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but got a be- vagina. But yeah, I got the vagina, but then I got the Nas N for NYC. Did yeah. you see me do um, the takeover over New York State of Mind? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I felt like that was smart. Clever. Takeover? I'm going to tell you my Nas story when we get off this pod because yeah. I told it 100 times uh, in here, but it was great with me, Rappaport. But hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go sweat now. All right. Any and more stunt. questions? Any more no. questions? All right. Cheerleaders unite. <laughs> okay, we're back in this podcast. Since this podcast ended, um, FaceTime rap report surprised him with Sally and Mandy. Mandy Cole plunged and sonnet. Awesome. Uh, John Sally fixed her back or tried to. Um, <laughs> lemons were picked. Um, but lemons. one thing she mentioned to Sally, and I think I overheard her saying it, but I forgot. It was in my notes. I forgot to talk about it. Was you interview rapping with actors? Yes. I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so when I got Mother Sold, the show I did with True TV that is now on HBO Max, part of Rachel Dratch's Late Night Snack. Good luck finding it, but it is in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I pitched another show to Bell Five, which is a Canadian network, and it's a show called Rapping with Actors. And bringing up Pedro again, my other friend, Pedro Miguel Arce, who, who passed, um, he and I had been on Twitter, Periscope. Remember Periscope? Yes, I do. Yes. So he and I were on Periscope with another friend of ours, Guggen Singh, and we called it Rapping with Actors. And I was like talking to these other actors who also like hip hop. And that was the impetus of the show where we were talking about top five. So like mm. top five actors, top five rappers. I like that. And then how, how does music influence your your work as an artist, as an actor. And then so many actors are also musicians. Yes. Um, so that's where it started. And what, what came of it was this show that's like a mix of a variety show. There's some sketch comedy moments. It's like we'll talk about things. Like, for example, one of my guests was Nigel Downer, who's a comedian and actor in Toronto. And we were talking about Kanye and Trump, that photo op they did. Yes. You know. And so as we're talking about it, we would cut to him and I standing there and I was doing my Trump impression, which is not very good, but <laughs> I just like swept my hair sideways. And then he was being Kanye. And so it's like a mix of a mix of comedy and we play games like rapping with crackers, <laughs> which is white people rapping with crackers in their mouth. I love it. Um, you know, stuff like that. It was really fun. And so we had a budget of $700 per episode. Wow. Uh, but we had access to all of the the um, network stuff. So we shot it at Much Music, which is like the Canadian oh, version. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah of MTV. Is that still around, Much Music? It is, but it's, you know, there's no music It's like the MTV anymore. of Canada. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. So, so we had this beautiful soundstage and all these cameras and crew and blah, blah, blah. So it looks like it's a great show. I'm really proud of it. And that is now living on Tubi, I believe, and Amazon. Um, is that mostly Canadian actors? Yeah, yeah. So I would love to do more seasons of that because it was super fun. And then I've also done red carpet interviews for the Producers Guild. Um, they have their, during Oscar week, they have um, 
you know, their award show. So I would go and do red carpet interviews there. So I, I like nice. doing that kind of thing too. It's fun, but it's really stressful doing the red carpet stuff. Cause I don't know who anyone is. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Like You're not I, good with that. No, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. And I could have watched like, what's the, what's the show outlander? Okay. Right. About the, I remember that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I watched every episode of that and, um, Kat- Katrina Belf- Belfe, is her name the lead actor she came up to us and was like would you have any questions i was like no i don't know who she is and oh meanwhile i like have seen every episode of the show i just like <laughs> can't i don't know it i remember people based on what they're wearing so yeah. if they change their clothes i get confused and i don't know who you are <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah. you know it's crazy you're such a more relaxed mm. this is just having right now after what we just did it's like it's such I know it's a, di- it's a different chill version. I know. It's your chill anyway, but I feel my whole body is relaxed. There was such a moment today too when John Sally pulled up. I was like, my friend's comedy is going to try the cold plunge. Uh, he's in sports, and he pulled up. He barely said hi to me. He looked at me, then he saw you, and he went right towards you, hugged you, kissed you, and he just fucking knew you from social media. It was such an awesome moment. And you were like, I thought you knew each other. Like I was like, holy shit! No, it was really nice. Yeah, we were talking about that. Um, Chappelle and I, how digital fans are very different from live show fans Mm. because they feel like they know you Yeah, because it's so intimate. And when I'm performing, because I'm an actor, you know, I know where the lens is on the camera. So I look down the barrel most of the time when I'm performing and people feel this like intimacy with me that um, is not real. (laughs) Like like right in their home though. yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's not that it's not real, but it's like, I don't, know who you are yeah um and they know me so well because i'm just this just honest obviously person that says yeah. whatever comes to my mind um, but he's like you can rap like just that yeah. stuff like it was really yeah it and was I, a great moment i felt that he yeah he was i appreciate that immensely especially like from other other artists yeah too. For sure like when i went to the uh, not the far side show i performed at but i went to another show they did at the echoplex and so many people were coming up to me that were producers or artists cool. and they were just like yeah like are, real recognize real you know yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they know that you're really in in it it's not just a joke yeah i love that and then um this will probably come online when this pod drops because we have it on film but Mandy brought Chappelle out of his cheerleading retirement in my front yard. I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? You guys did it. What is it? We did a toss hands extension. It was unreal, man. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was perfect. I was like, it was awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. It's such a beautiful sport because you speak this language. It's like pick up basketball, you mm-hmm. know, in a way. Um, so it was really nice to stunt with him. I He's strong too, man. Yeah. It's technique too. It is technique, but yeah. just holding balancing. I was like, I never seen him do that before. <laughs> he was pretty proud too. Yeah, we are both in immense pain now, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably your back. Probably hurt your yeah, back. Oh, exactly. Shit. Yeah. Well, I hope your back's okay. Um, so great having you. So great hanging with you today. It was an awesome, awesome day. And uh, yeah, we'll be hanging soon. Thank you. You're about to do a live in my kitchen. I know. This is kind of crazy. This is super crazy. You ever done it at somebody else's house before? Uh, yes, I did it in Texas one time. I feel like I should draw like a piece of paper, like an uh, avocado or like a fake. Ah, we put it behind it. you, dude. Totally. I'm going to have one in here, though. I think my wife's going to be. I'm serious. The listeners, I'm going to have. I can find a spot in here to do it. It'd be cool. Oh, It'll yeah. will probably trip people out, though. It would work so good in this kitchen, though. I think so. It's perfect. It's pink. Fuck. What, do you, what more do you need? Just a vagina. 
And that's where we're going to end it. Uh, thank you, Mandy. Thank this is you. awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye. I've always loved sweets. That's why I have um, a thousand gold teeth and had cavities my whole life. But I always love cookies. And being a vegan and being gluten-free, it's extremely difficult to get a cookie that actually tastes good. Most of those cookies are super, super dry. Until I found Maxine's Heavenly, uh, you probably see me post about them. They're incredible. They're gluten-free. They're vegan. They're made with no refined sugars. You can get them in Whole Foods, Sprouts, Walmart, Amazon, MaxinesHeavenly.com. And if you're in L.A., you get my favorite restaurant, Green Tables, carrying them. Uh, you can also, if you're in L.A., get Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Chow Now. Super, super great company. Amazing people working there. The cookies are insane. I can eat a whole bunch of them. Not like you're supposed to. But I don't feel groggy and like bloated and I have that sugar crash. And every month, you should sign up for the mailing list because every month you get exclusive flavor drops. And the cookies get delivered right to your house. So shout out to Maxine's Heavenly, my new sponsor. I have a cookie sponsor. I can't believe it. How old am I? I'm 53 and I'm promoting cookies because I love cookies still. I'm a big kid. Vegan, gluten-free, no refined sugars. If you listen to the Travis Barker episode, me and him talked about our love for Maxine's Heavenly's as well. Great cookie. If you're a vegan and you're gluten-free, there's no other cookie to have. Maxine's Heavenly. Go to MaxineHeavenly.com. Go to shop, use my code OLLC, and get 25% off your first order. That's 25% off your first order. Go to MaxineHeavenly.com, use my code OLOC. Enjoy. These cookies are straight crack. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped a credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done, 100 locations, U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology, cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TobyH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.